Advanced After Combat. Okay, this is Advanced After Combat podcast. This is a podcast about war games, our experiences wargaming, and uh, I guess really it's just about us playing war games. So if you're a guy who listens and uh, has a lot of war games and maybe hasn't gotten a chance to uh, play them, hopefully maybe listening to this podcast will encourage you because we're basically all about playing the games. So as opposed to owning games and looking at them and wondering what it might be like to play with somebody or, or play the games, uh, hopefully we can encourage you to do that. And uh, that's it. This is an explicit podcast that is brought to you by myself, Dave, uh, Jason. Hello. And a mystery guest that is selected from our guild each month on BGG. And that mystery guest that will be hosting the podcast this month is Rodvik. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. And and Rodvik has an accent. So <laughs> we're hoping sophisticated that, English accent. Well, we're hoping that Rod will maybe class up the show a little bit. You know, we've got to have, try to have at least an international guest on every year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if you're looking for if you're looking for cla- looking for classing for classing the look, but <laughs> um, so are you a, like uh, so, Rod? When I when I think of you, I think maybe you're a member of a, a like a minor noble family or some kind of small landed gentry in in, in England that's that managed to wander over to the U.S. Are you royalty or? Uh, <laughs> no, well, actually, my family um, uh, we we do have a coat of arms. Uh, which was kind of nice. My my granddad kind of figured that out. Um, we're originally from Leicestershire, uh, which is sort of in the middle bit, and then we moved to uh, the Midlands, which is sort of the Birmingham area, which is the other middle bit of England. Uh, but no, we're not we're not royal by any stretch of the imagination. We can, if 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 we're any bit, we're sort of that upper lower middle class bit. That's that's where we're from. That's really the place to be. Uh, no. no. How how did you end up coming over to the U.S.? Uh, in 1991, I was doing um, – I I was a game designer at a company in Yorkshire, and um, they got into a business arrangement with uh, an American company called Game Tech in Miami. And they said, hey, we want somebody to go over and uh, live in Miami uh, for a few months to work on some of our games and – I was 21, and the idea of living on South Beach appealed. So I, 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 I grabbed it with both hands, and then when that relationship ended, the company in America asked me to stay, and they uh, got me a green card. So that's how I ended up nice. So you, you had a couple episodes of Miami Vice under your belt, and you were like, yes, absolutely. That's- or, or Will Smith songs. You know, it really was like that. We um, we had a guy in the parking. We we were even in like a, an office um, corporate apartment block, and we had a a guy from one of the offices above us, which was an accounting firm, uh, executed in the parking of the uh, drugs um, cartel. One day when we came wow. to work, uh, yeah, we're like, why are all the police here? And the security guards like telling us all this stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> He he was like, oh yeah, you know, I I I wasn't here. Like he came in super early, and they caught him in the parking lot and executed him. And uh, one of our guys said to the said to the security guard, he was like, wow, it was um, you know, 
I uh, they they were they were lucky you weren't there because you know you would have protected him and the security guard looked at him he was like hell no I ain't I ain't putting my life on the line for no ten dollars an hour <laughs> seriously yeah I, it might not have been a coincidence that the security guard was not present at the time yeah, yeah he, he a good point I never thought of that there. yeah they're like don't you normally start your shift at seven? Oh yeah I had to take my kids to school that day and it was a teacher conference I was, yeah, I was sick for a traffic <laughs> so uh Rod um, you, you reside in the U.S. now, and I believe you have an American bride. I, I do. I, I, I came to steal your women primarily. And did, did, you, can you, use, did, did, did you use as your main, <laughs> uh, main, main weapon your, your uh, beautiful English accent to charm your wife? Uh, actually, my, uh, my wife kind of uh, hunted me down at a nightclub. She doesn't like the, the story, but... She lived in England for a year and a half, and she literally came back. We were living in Orange County at the time, and I think it was her second night back from England, and she went out and met me. Um, and at the time, she was into all things English, like English furniture, pottery. So she pretty much got me to go with the furniture. So I just grabbed it with both hands <laughs> and rode that. You got a magic wow. set. Wow, that's, that's pretty that, that graphic, Rod. That's really graphic. <laughs> I think I think you've pushed this show even by be past the boundaries that we normally go to. Oh yeah, we approve. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, we we do have something called a quiz. Um, I just want to yeah. let you know because it's not it's not something that you have to take. Really? You no, know, it's volu- it's voluntary. So. Nah, but, I, but I, isn't it voluntarily with like the whole like as in volunteering in the military kind of voluntary? Well, no, I mean, it's, I just want to let you know there is a quiz and uh, hosts have been known to take the quiz, but it's it's not required. So it is something that you take or not take, depending if, on If there on was how you any feel. way out of it with dignity, I would not take it, but I don't think there is. So uh, I, will, I will take the quiz. Thank you. Okay, so you're, so you're volunteering for the quiz. I have been volunteered for the quiz, that's right. Okay, so now this quiz is uh, prepared by our intern Braxton. It is a, uh, there are four questions, the first 15 of which are normal questions, and the last five are bonus questions. Okay? Okay. Uh, Are you, uh, is is the Napoleonic era a strong, strong suit of yours? No, it used to be about... 15 to 20 years ago, but I've forgotten just about everything. Um, somebody okay. is, somebody's getting me back into it, actually. That's you. Oh, that's right. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um, okay. Well, the first question, then. Uh, during the Napoleonic era, <laughs> the, the, French, <laughs> the French Grand Armée consisted of, and, and Braxton, could you please not put, like, a lot of French words in? Because you know I can't pronounce them, and it's going to be tough, but here we go. Uh, basically, the French Army. Okay, let's just say that. Consisted of two types of infantry. The infantry of the line and the light infantry. These two infantry types were broken into six subcategories. Name five of these infantry categories. I have no idea. I I literally have no idea. My my Napoleonic knowledge right now in my head is column, square, artillery, cavalry. Nay, I know nay. There's uh, Murat. 
I think these I think these answers are going to be I think these answers are going to be controversial. But uh, Jason, Jason, do you have any do you have any guesses? No, no. You, okay, you should know better. Braxton. This is according to Braxton and probably Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, these answers are grenadiers, uh, oh, voltigeurs of the line. Oh. God, light, I guess God's going to be yeah. Light yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, carabiniers, apied, 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 fusiliers, right. and chasseurs. Yeah, so. I think I the phrasing had... of the question was weird. We'll, well blame I, it on I, that. I, I, I think what you got here is you've got uh, the, the infantry regiments. Basically, they had their uh, light infantry companies, their grenadier companies, and they had their line. And then, depending on whether they were guard or not, they used different words to describe each of those groups. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, um, so that was not spectacular. So we're off to uh, a good start. Uh, zero for five. Jason, you keeping score for us? I am. I am. I have the zero noted. Oh. I, I don't think you'll need to be changing that number. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> we'll keep a running tally. Oh, we're going for a record. If you get a zero, we're going to delete the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've had that already. It, didn't, it blew up. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I take it. You can just delete the whole bit. That's all right. Edit. So, um, oh, real quick, too. Uh, Rod, what are you drinking? Oh, I am because of the hour change. I kind of fooled myself as well. I am drinking a Ballast Point grapefruit sculpin. It is. It's a hipster beer. Um, it is an India Pale Ale, natural grapefruit flavors, and it was. Uh, it's the most expensive beer in the market I go to. It's like fifteen bucks for a six pack, and wow. I, I didn't want. I want to like it because I was like, "Fuck, fifteen bucks for a six pack? Are you kidding me?" Like. I, I hate I hate this beer already, but then I drank it and I like it. Um, but I'm on my last one. I started early, so after this, I'm going to go to a regular pale ale or something. Respect, nice, Jason. What's you? I'm drinking Old Forester 100 proof, uh, which is about sixteen dollars for the bottle. So I am, and I also started an hour early, so I'm I'm pretty well into it. Hey, so, Dave. so Rod, how, have you been enjoying? Uh, have you been enjoying the, the cheap alcohol and booze in California since you've been out here? I have, and and let's face it, Amer- American beer is just better than European beer. Period, and I I just it kills that is me to very say, controversial. It, it's wow, true. You, it's you, true. You, it's you're true. no longer allowed to return to your native homeland. They've just put Seriously. you on the fly list. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I think I can get, I get back into England. I think Germany would be difficult, but come on. I mean, the craft the craft beer revolution over here, like it, it just, is good. Yeah, you know, it's it's great. And and at least if you're living in California, the liquor is ridiculously cheap. So, I mean, a bottle of yeah. good decent Irish whiskey runs you fifteen, sixteen dollars at a pharmacy. So it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking. I was drinking eight oh fives. Uh, a nice, nice beer brewed down here in Ventura. I think by Firestone, and uh, now I'm drinking Miller Lite out of a can. So very nice. There you go. I approve. Keep keeping it reals. That's right. That's Guild Love right there. Yeah, that is going back to MGR times. Uh, <laughs> old Miller Lite. 
Okay, so, okay, on to question two. Now we need Sorry, like, a really nasty burp. There we go. There you go. I tried to supply one. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, so Rod, you still with us? He's still on the I, podcast. I, I'm still hanging on. <clears throat> okay. Um, and we're going to have some funny stories later because Rod was at GMT West. So I've actually met Rod, which was very interesting. So we'll get to that. And uh, interesting, good, not interesting, weird. Just put that on. <laughs> so in World War II, 10 different models of rifles and machine guns were issued to U.S. soldiers and used in combat. So U.S. soldiers, 10 different models. Oh, did I say World War I? I meant World War II. I think I said World War II. So World War II, 10 different models of rifles and machine guns were issued to the U.S. Used in combat, name five of these rifles or machine guns, either by model number, make, and or caliber. Rifles or machine guns? Rifles or machine guns, not submachine guns. Okay. So the um, the Garand, I think it's M1 Garand. Correct. Uh, the the Bar. Uh, Correct. The, the, Correct. Uh, the uh, thirty caliber uh, machine gun, and there's also a fifty caliber as well. And I, I forget the designation, um, but I think didn't they just call it the thirty caliber? Oh, it's brown. Is it brown? We've great. We've got a Browning thirty caliber machine gun. And what was your fourth guess? Uh, I was going for the fifty caliber, but I can actually change because there is we, we need a firm answer rod we can't let okay, you we okay. can't meander through the, i though i love the theater of the mind that we're enjoying here i right. think we're, <laughs> <laughs> I like, hold on I like a sec uh, was, uh, <clears throat> hold on a second uh that i can't remember the name you've got room for two more answers okay all right hold on a you, and, um, and he said either by model number make or caliber <clears throat> Oh, oh, the fifty caliber then. Yeah, there's fifty caliber machine gun in there. There is a Browning M two fifty caliber machine gun. So right. that's four correct four correct answers and we're waiting for a fifth answer. Okay. Uh, and, and and to recap recap, you said the Garand. You've you've yep. covered the Browning machine gun, you've covered the Browning yep. automatic rifle, and the Browning yep. fifty caliber. So clearly you've you've got a, a at least one coffee book. Uh, rifles and machine guns, <laughs> or an, or an Oscar. I do. Uh, World War Two should, in theory, be my strong suit. So I'm just trying to remember the name of the make of. There's a sniper rifle and a full. It's either a, a carbine, um, and I'm trying to remember either of those units. Hold on, once, one second. Uh, why is my brain melting? While I uh, reach for this bookcase well, behind me. <laughs> very slowly. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll say I'll say that there was a I'll say there was a there was a three oh three sniper rifle in there, even though I think it's wrong. And uh, there uh, my last guess would be I'm trying to remember the name of the gosh darn carbine. You can swear. Ah. It's gone. All right. And I'll pounce on the last one. Model number, make, and or caliber. Nothing? Three, five, three, 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 oh, three. Yeah, no, for the last one, uh, nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with a four or five, four out of five for that. So good news is this, or maybe bad news, this episode will be released to the public. So there you go. 
Listeners, yes. if you're listening to this now, it's because Rhonda scored a fourth. <laughs> so we have the uh, M1903 Springfield rifle. We have the Grand, which you guessed. We have the M1917 Springfield rifle. We have the M1941 Johnson rifle. The M1 and the M1A1 carbine rifle, 30, ca- 30 caliber. There you go. We we have the Browning machine gun, which you guessed. We have the Browning M1919 A4 30 caliber rifle. We have the BAR, the Browning automatic rifle, which you guessed. We also have the M1941 Johnson light machine gun. I didn't know Johnson was a manufacturer. I didn't know that. The Brown- that mainly Pacific? Um. Who's asking the fucking questions here, Rob? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're American. I didn't even make the quiz. Come on. I didn't even make the quiz. I didn't make the quiz. Braxton, this is the last time you set me up for failure like that, Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to meet at Human Resources tomorrow. Okay, so uh, final one was the Browning 50 caliber machine gun. So the M2, famous Mod Deuce. Cool. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're at four out of ten. So, um, and you know, it's weird. Like normally if I'm talking to Ralph, I have no problem cursing Ralph out. But when I curse out Rod, it's like, kind of feels like I'm being impolite. Doesn't it feel like, <laughs> that's, that's okay. like if I called, if I called Ralph, if I called Ralph a fuck face in casual conversation, that's okay. But when I call Rod a fuck face, I feel like, oh, that was, that was just wrong. Like, what did I just do? I, I, I think it's our that- colonial guilt. It is. I think it's it's a leftover leftover residue from the colonial times. It is. Have you have you ever been to a uh, an English or a British war games convention? No. no, no. So there is a. So if you do, I I highly recommend it. They're mainly miniatures, but the but when English people swear, particularly guys, particularly working class guys, which is a lot of the war games community, uh, we tend to use the c word a lot. And it's not just in relation to women. Oh, nice. So you'll be nice. walking around a conference room, and it will be just all of that constantly. And it's it's usually quite eye-opening to um, Americans who visit. See, I do have a British friend, uh, but I think he might be a little bit um, maybe not working class because his his two lines of things are everything is either brilliant or rubbish. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. There's no middle ground. It's like brilliant and rubbish. That's pretty funny. They do overuse brilliant. I mean, they'll be like, oh, this sandwich is brilliant. I'm like, eh, it's a sandwich. I don't think it's brilliant, really. It's not. <laughs> if it's good at all, it's brilliant. We, we do. I, I, although I want to resurrect those World War II ones, like, you know, wizard. It's wizard. Or, or it's topper. Like, topper, wizard, plan, like that yeah, kind of that's stuff. That's a good one. That'd be awesome. What, what would wizard be? Wizard's good. Wizard's good, yeah. Wizard's it's, very good. Yeah, it's a wizard. Oh, and a topper. Like, like, yeah. Like a magical wizard? Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's you know, it's it's a wizard sandwich. Yeah, I don't see that one coming back. Oh. <laughs> I approve. No, that is pretty interesting. All right. All right. Question three uh, of the quiz. <laughs> we're now into the bonus questions, right? No, we're not. No, oh. you'll know when bonus shows up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's when bonus comes, no, you're going to be like, wow, now I feel like I'm in the bonus round. Because it counts for exactly the same points as all the other questions. The same amount. And they're just as easy or, and or hard as all the other questions. Because I was going to take but, 40%, 40% win rate as like totally fine. I would take that. 
really you could you could think to yourself that you're four out of fifteen, and then you just missed all the bonus questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's going to be interesting. So here we go. Uh, question number three, the final question of the main portion of the quiz. This isn't going to Name, be about, is, it, is this going to be about American Civil War? Please say it isn't. It is not. It is not. <laughs> Thank God. And the other, the other interesting thing is Braxton does not know. Braxton does not know who the uh, the host is, so he can't like. We we had a problem. We had an integrity problem. We had Campbell on the quiz, and so we <laughs> got Campbell back. We turned down the volume so no one could hear most of what Campbell oh. said in the entire podcast. So there you go, oh. Campbell. Search you right. Okay, so uh, question number three is name the war that was concluded by the ratification of the following peace treaties. Treaty of Westphalia. Name Uh, I am going to go with Seven Years' War. Not correct. Damn it! Treaty of Versailles. World War One. Oh God! I was so hoping that that would have been another magical moment for the podcast. It, it could have been another undead Stonewall Jackson moment. Indeed, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to defend that Stonewall Jackson because I was t- tuned in for that one, and I was like, "That's within the range. He's American. He might have been alive at the time." <laughs> close, close enough. It's, exactly. it's close yeah. enough. Um, I think you English also understand how these civil wars work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my mom just got back from England. She took a trip there, and she's like, oh, my gosh. They did the most horrible things to each other's relatives. That's yeah. That's awesome. She goes, she they just cousins, uncles. They didn't care who they were. They did the most terrible things to them. I, I got a, half of my family is English. Half of my family is Irish. And the Irish part, we've got a nice uh, Catholic-Protestant split. So, as you can imagine, I'm very familiar, very familiar with that. So we have the Second Treaty of Paris. The Second Treaty of Paris. What conflict did that end? Oh, well, it's either going to be... I actually think it's either going to be Am or the Franco-Prussian War, and I'm going to go for... Well, it, it's yeah. interesting because it is the second. You think there would be more treaties signed in Paris, but the first but, uh, one uh, regulated the use of the sandwich, but this is a Okay, that's, that sounds historically accurate. Okay, let's, uh, I will go for... Um, you know what? I don't know, even though I've just been playing a Vietnam game, but I'm going to guess Vietnam. The correct answer is the American Revolution. Wow. Well, that's cheating. I, 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 actually didn't, uh, I actually didn't tell you the Treaty, the treaty of Westphalia was the Thirty Years' War. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, this one I think you can get. Uh, <laughs> so by saying that, I set you up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a... <laughs> More humiliation. The, the, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Oh, wow. I don't know. There, there's two ways you could go here, folks. There's two, uh, there are two paths you could take. I, I have no idea. I guess Mexican-American war, I guess. I don't know. You are correct, sir. You Thanks excellent so job. Very nice. 
Very nicely done. You've answered the question that probably 95% of all Americans could not answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and frankly, probably most Mexican Americans could answer either. So uh, the uh, final question is true. Oh, the final part of this question is the treaty of Frankfurt, the treaty of Frankfurt. What war did it conclude? Oh, wow. That's a really good one. Um, uh, I, I'll I'll guess the Franco-Prussian War. I honestly don't know though. That's a good one. And you would correct, sir. Well, wow, played. wow, that was a lucky lucky break. So I think Very we're nice. looking at seven out of fifteen. Yep, I think that's good. That's great. Yeah, on the cusp of five hundred. That is seven is more like than a, I thought I was going to get. <laughs> Using the bell curve, I think that is probably an A plus based on curve. I'm a winner. But now it's bonus. <laughs> not, not, not yet. There's it's, still a bonus round. It's bonus though. You can't lose with bonus. It's going to be all good from here on. I can snatch defeat. Exactly. Here you go. The siege of this city in current day Lebanon served as an impetus for the beginning of the Third Crusade. Name this city and the four major battles of the Third Crusade that were fought between the European Christians and the Muslim Ayyubids by Saladin. So Bloody a siege wow. of the city. Okay. There's a siege of the city in the Third Crusade. Name the city and the four major battles fought between Richard the Lionheart and Saladin during the Third wow. Crusade. How do you like that? Sal- Saladin. That's well, it's a good point. This is quite the bonus question. So the the first question is it Acre? It begins with A. I think it's Acre. So I'm going to say that's my first guess for the city under. Well, these are these are five answers. I will tell you that Acre is a correct answer, but it is not okay. the siege. Oh really? Oh wow. Um, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, I will put in stating things, so I'm assuming it's going to it be is, there. It is not correct. I don't think the crusade wow. actually managed to Jerusalem. Okay. I think only the first crusade took Jerusalem. Oh wow. Um. If you play Kingdom I'm, of Heaven. Obviously, somebody hasn't have played not. enough Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. And now I'm going to randomly guess various cities in that area. Um, and I can only imagine how this is going to go. Okay. It's not, <laughs> it's not going to go well. Um, uh, D- Damascus uh, is nope. my next guess. Okay. Um, wow. Other cities... In that area that was part of the battle. No, uh, there was a, a city that was sieged at the beginning of the Third Crusade and then yeah. four battles. So they aren't not, the four major battles are not necessarily cities. You guess oh, okay. Acre, which I gave you credit oh. for because it is one of the battles. Okay. And I think it's also a city, but Oh. Oh my goodness. I played um freaking what's the Men of Iron game that does this? Yeah, That's this is good. this is what the, this is what the right. ultimate purpose of the quiz is. If only <laughs> it's if, that one. If only I had remembered it, or if only I was where I could see my war games, I could actually glance up. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, Constantinople, Byzantium, whichever it was called then, would be my guess for the city. Uh, my second guess, and in terms of battles, I cannot remember a single one of them. So I'm gonna have to pass on the rest. Okay, so we're going to give you credit for one correct answer, which was Acre. Uh, the siege is the Siege of Tyre. Oh, right. 
Uh, Iconium was a battle. Acre. Our Surf, which is well known, I think. And yeah, that's Jaffa. Not my... Or Jaffa. Yeah. Okay. Or okay. Java. I mean, different pronunciations that possibly have Jaffa, Jaffa. Doesn't Braxton really like uh, that game as well? I think he does. Kingdom of Heaven? No, the or Men, uh, of Iron. Men of Iron one. The, uh, oh, what's it called? The the one set in this area. In, inf- Infidel. Infidel, yeah. Infidel. Yeah, he, he played, he's played it, I think, at every con I've seen him at. Cool. So that wasn't too bad. I think you did pretty well. That's not too bad. Thank you. Far better than I thought it was going to be. So, Rod, real quick, uh, basically at this point, uh, one of the couple of questions we ask when we get new guys in as hosts is, um, generally, what's been like your wargaming pattern? Were you like a miniature wargamer? Were you like a did you wargame in university? You know, like a university like that. And then uh, later on, maybe you got out of it and then you got back into it once you had more income or kind of what's been your history as far as wargaming? Uh, I started off, um, I, I played Risk when I was like eight or nine or something. And um, so I then I rewrote the game and made my own little version and then um so that got kind of got me into it and then i got into miniatures war games which was huge in england at the time so the donald featherstone terry wise uh phil barker kind of stuff uh then i got into um hex encounter a friend of mine around the corner got uh the russian campaign um which is just brilliant um and we played that and so that's how i got into hex encounter uh then i got Squad leader, one Christmas, and that really took me into X Encounter. And then uh, I need to go for a beer as well in a minute. Uh, and then I was miniatures and X Encounter for until I came to the United States. That's good. <laughs> and. And, yeah. and everyone gets distracted. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know why. Uh, I'm, I'm on push to talk, but for some reason, I'm not giving up the push to talk. Yeah, it's keeping, you, it's keeping you live. So, <laughs> let me check it. Let me check it. So, sorry, uh, so then going. I took it. And the audience doesn't hear that, by the way. <laughs> oh, they don't? Oh, well, okay. So that'll just be silence. Okay. No, okay. they don't hear okay. that. Okay. Um, so then I came to the United States, and I, I didn't bring my game. So for a good 10 years, I kind of took a break. Um, because I was living on South Beach and sober one day out of never, um, and had just having a great time. And then when I, uh, I, I think I started dating my wife, and we moved into San Diego. We were then we got married, and that's when I started to get back into wargaming proper and started buying Hex Encounter games. That was like two thousand. So that's been my pattern. So you've had a pretty solid run since then. Yeah, since since thousand, I've been just constantly buying games, and you know my my play to buy ratio is about I don't know two in ten, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what it is. <laughs> that's that's not great. No, it's not the best. <laughs> it's probably on par with a lot of people, though. Yeah, you know the way it goes. That you just buy all this stuff, and then you you know, put it on the shelf. You read the rules, maybe. And, Maybe mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how the hell to change my uh, my thing. It's not. I mean, I've got a push to talk button, so I figured that does it. 
That seems to be okay now. But the problem is once I get off push to talk, it still continues to show me talking. Yeah, I hate you the whole time, but Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's like what the fuck is the point of having a fucking button? <sighs> I'm not gonna get into a rage about the audio. We'll just, we'll just deal with it. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, I don't I actually I'm gonna pour another whiskey. Uh actually I don't recall uh any guest host, and I guess that's me. I don't recall anybody asking you guys that same question. Did you guys ever talk about that? Because I don't remember it. What, what was, what, what? I think early on. Oh, you did, did very early on? Oh, when it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, when Marshall was still on the show. Okay. But I've only been doing it for three or four years. Yeah. What, what was the game that got you into it? I played, um, so I played Washington's War with a buddy of mine. Um, we had been doing like a Euro night at a local game store and he said, Hey, you know, I have these two player war games that, cause neither of us really identified with the people who went to the game store. So we tried to find every excuse to not meet there. <laughs> um, there were some smelly, some smelly people. Um, so we went over and we played Washington, Washington's war and I, and I liked it and it was fun. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, this is encouraging me to read more. So then I read 1776 like that week. Um, and then that was just as the first edition of Sakigahara came out from GMT, and we played that, and that's when I was like, okay, th- these are the kind of games I I want to play. Th- that that game was really what kind of tipped me over yeah. the edge, and uh, and and before we had done it, I was like, you know, we yeah, we can play them every once in a while, but I don't really see myself getting into that. I, <laughs> fuck you, Dave. <laughs> Damn, I was just interested. no, I'm just. No, I'm joking. It's, it's funny. I just had to put the... I love doing the text <laughs> Um, But yeah, I, I was like, you know, Wargaming isn't really going to be for me. I'm not super confrontational. Um, but that's not really what it's about. It's more about the history and, and meeting up with guys you agree with, you know, guys you kind of get along with. And from there, it's been all downhill and uh, a money sink over and over again. Yeah, say, say, and Dave one time had his miniatures run over by his ex-wife, and he can tell that story if he wants again. That is right. That happened to me. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to bring up bad memories. I'm sure that's a dark day. I know. it's Well, and, and I, I get the impression, too, that in England, the miniatures are, are very popular. You know? Yeah. Or do you think miniatures are yeah. more popular than board wargaming? I do. I, I think it, it still is, and... Um, uh, it's always been a, a big deal over there. Although the you know the U.S. miniatures, well, you know the U.S. miniatures gaming scene is pretty big. You know, it's it's uh, it's pretty yeah. big, and yeah. the manufacturers over here are really good. Um, the, uh, the I think when it comes to miniatures rules as well, I think a lot of like war game board war game board gamers kind of miss out on a few of the trends, particularly in tactical, if they don't you know at least check out those occasionally because there's some good stuff there. Yeah, I think I liked the the miniature wargaming industry better. Like before Foundry just started like fucking everyone on prices, and before, you know before it became such a gouge as far as the pricing. Like Foundry used to be kind of a cool company, and then they went to the like a crazy pricing model. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know what period you were in, but uh, that kind of turned me off from a lot of their products. They, they used wargames Foundry used to be the main one. Yeah. No, I I totally agree, and I think that um, that there's also something I, I think wargaming at, is at its best when it's 
of delightfully amateurish, you know, in, in the best sense, like enthusiastic people not mm. really doing it for the money. And you can tell that in, in the games. Um, so currently, right now, Rod, what would you say that the big game that you're really into is like, what's kind of got your attention? What, what's, what's the game that you're playing the most of right now? Uh, I have, this is going to be a sore subject for a, a couple of our listeners who are playing with us, but uh, I've gone through a real coin phase uh, the past uh, four months or so. Very nice. And um, I, I, the reason it's top of my mind is um, Bruce Garrick, who I think has just joined the AAC Guild or is, is part of it, he's posted. Uh, he and I have had a lot of conversations about it. We've been playing with a couple of other guys and um, – there is a lot to criticize and a lot worthy of criticism within that series that I, I find fascinating. So that's top of my mind right now. I like that a lot. Yeah, so we, we did play. Which, which one is your favorite? Uh, I will say my favorite is probably a distant plane. And I thought it was going to be Fire yeah. in the Lake, but I've changed my mind for reasons we can chat about later. But hold on a sec. My dog is barking. Can I come right back? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'll be right back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not in the middle of anything. Hey, everyone else, just pull your cars over. <laughs> I'm sorry. Try to stop, stop your vehicles. And I don't know why my dog's barking out. Hold on a second. I'll be right It could be an intruder in Rod's house. So we need the dog. Yeah, go get your baseball bat. Yeah, the dog is alerted. Handle that business. The dog is alerted to something. So we're going to stop that now. That's too funny. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I figured out what the problem was. I had that little box that I could press on to do the mic. And the problem is when that box is there for some reason, it doesn't stop recording all the time. So now I've got it to where oh, I, just that's do, weird. I just do the regular click now and that's working. Ah. Uh, now you don't hear my chair when I The background click. noise has been cut out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm back. Sorry gosh, about that. So what was it? What was the emergency? She just wanted to go out and pee, which I guess I'm great. I'm, I guess oh. I'm grateful. Yeah, right. It could have been, it could have been worse. She, she could have been alerting exactly. the fact that, hey, I have peed exactly. in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel terrible about it. Um, so I'll agree with you. I think, I think a distant plane is the best. Um, uh, Fire in the Lake is my favorite for obvious reasons, but A Distant Plane is a better game for sure. Yeah, Jason, you are going to love this podcast because we played both of those games at GMT West. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm so jealous. How do you feel about and th- and this is one of the things about Coin that is on my mind, but particularly Fire in the Lake. How do you feel about factions thing? Because I've and maybe it's just me as a player, which again we'll get to. Uh, foreshadowing, maybe I'm just a really, really bad player, but I have played five games of Fire in the Lake, and I will say the end propaganda, the last turn, has never been satisfactory because everybody always feels that the factions kind of fall apart uh, at the end. Like it just doesn't make any sense. But how do you feel about that? Um. Well, I mean, that point specifically, I think it's probably pretty accurate. Everyone was kind of on their last leg at that point anyway. Um, I've, uh, as as imbalanced as they seem they can be, I've seen every faction win multiple times. Um, so I don't think there's an imbalance. There's definitely some checks and balances that the players need to do in Fire in the Lake. Um, yeah. it's It can be a little gamey at certain points. Um, 
the U.S. is very hard to play, but I think, again, that's fairly historically accurate. Um, they have to do some things that, you know, the U.S. wouldn't wouldn't historically do. Um, but, you know, with their doctrine, could the U.S. have won that war? That's, you know, that's a separate kind of bigger argument. But I think it does a good job of modeling, um, but it can feel a little disjointed and, and gamey at times. But it was pretty muddy you know, historically with all of the factions and everything that happened. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I think it's a brilliant game and I love it. Um, but I, I, I still, every game I play, I have this uncomfortable moment when, you know, either the Viet Cong are somehow working against the North Vietnamese, which is, you know, just doesn't make any sense at all. Or the Arvin and the USA are working against each other, which kind of makes sense a little more, but, it always kind of bugs me, but but I think I think even the VC working against the NVA isn't that historically inaccurate. They 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 weren't really um, in line one hundred percent. They didn't necessarily want the same goals that the that the North Vietnamese did. They they were more fighting for their independence from you know, this puppet regime that was put in place, I think, than, than necessarily trying to be communist. Um, yeah, but, I, but no, I, I think that, I, that might be a little bit too minutiae. Yeah, I, I, I think that's I'm a not good sure point, I though. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that's a good point. Like, one of the big things with Tet was it kind of cleared the way for the NVA because the VC was potentially mm-hmm. Yeah, the NVA were trying to get the VC. Yeah, because they, they did not have the same interests. Uh, the VC was not going to be a puppet of the NBA in the NLF victory, basically. Right, they wanted their own independence. Mm, I, I think, well, my, my interpretation is a bit bit different. I, I kind of think that there was never any real difference between the VC and the North, and the NBA. And, and the planning for Tet certainly was taken in Hanoi, and Giap was actually overruled, uh, who said, this is a stupid idea. Um and it was just like, hey, you know what? You guys do this or else. I'm, I'm not sure that the VC really had any kind of any kind of say, to be honest. In the planning of it, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But I, I don't think they were a puppet of NBA either. In the in the larger scope of the conflict, yeah. we we could well, we could spend all, we could, you know two hours. I'm on the puppet side. I, I would just like to say, Rob, that I thought you played a great game of Fire in the Lake at the Two West. So no I'll, matter I'll what Braxton you did. or, or <laughs> anybody else might say, I bet you did a great game. <laughs> uh, so you guys played both games at GMT West. Well, Rod Rod played in the Fire in the Lake game we played, and then we'll, we played a distant plane later, uh, and I'll get it. I'll get into that. So, okay. Do we want to do the G- GMT West? Yeah, let's, let's do that. So, uh, so basically, we went to the GMT West uh, convention, or I did, and a bunch of guys from the guild. We had uh, Ralph, uh, John Utris was there, the Medicine Man was there, Braxton, and Lucas showed up. Uh, Rod obviously showed up. I think Mitch was there. Don't want to forget anyone. Rod, am I forgetting anybody? Uh, uh, Didn't Lucas show up for like five minutes? No, yeah, Lucas Lucas was there. Um, 
So basically, it's a convention that's run by GMT. It's in their warehouse. And then uh, they basically put out a bunch of tables, and they have food and coffee and stuff like that available, and soda and water. And you can come, and it's very affordable. It's a nice event, except the warehouse is kind of hot. Does get you hot. So Rod showed up and Rod was wearing like all black, like black pants, black shirt. <laughs> and uh and I was like Nice. Keeping it I real. Was like, dude, like and I actually think Rod, you went and bought some clothes like to change. I did. I, I was I was like, you know what? This this isn't gonna work. I did show up entirely in black, um, and then I was like, I'm going. So I drove over to uh Sears or whatever the hell it is and bought bought some regular shorts and stuff. He didn't buy swim trunks to match with Ralph? No, they, they didn't have any tight enough. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, it's a good time, though. We had tables that we kind of commandeered, and it was guys from the guild, so that was cool. Because kind of, you know, I think what maybe hopefully Rod experienced is up, and everyone's like, hey, what's up, man? And, you know, initially I think Rod was like, oh, no, I'll watch, and like we're like, for the fuck you will, like, play this game. Now we're going to play this game. And so like you will get hooked up in games with guys. Yeah. It was like, a really you, they're good not going to want you to sit around. Yeah, it was a great time. And as you said, there's some kind of asshole filter that the guild has got, which is great. Like, you know, it tends to bounce out assholes pretty quick. So everybody was super cool. super mellow. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, for me personally, I played uh, a bunch of heroes. Of, like we had brought like Elst decision and Elst like ASL, and uh, the idea was that John John Allgood and I were going to play it. And then once uh, we were messing around with Shiny Path, then we decided we weren't going to play uh, ASL. So I actually ended up playing three games of Heroes of Normandy. I played one with Allgood, one with Wutris, and then one with Rod. And in Rod's game, he, he, he beat me. Uh, Rod, do you want to run? In fact, Rod, yeah. why don't you do a rundown of the games that you played, and then I'll fill in for whatever sure. I can't cover. Yeah, we played played Heroes and uh, uh, played it with Dave. It was great. We had a really fun time. And uh, he, he was teaching me the rules while playing, and then the scenario where we played, you had to occupy this house at the end. The, the house, it turns out, basically becomes uh, this grenade pit where whoever's in it gets grenades thrown in through the windows, they die. Then the, the, scenario, the scenario is called Slaughterhouse, to be fair. So. <laughs> it is very accurate. Although I started that game with my um, my cunning move of driving my tank into the open space next to the German Panzerfaust, um, and, and that worked out as well as you might imagine. Uh, it used up his Panzerfaust with this burning wreck right in the middle of the field. Uh, but it, 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 strategy. it was good. It was but it, it ended with the last turn the the house was surrounded by germans and there were i had a couple of squads outside and dave said if i'd moved and, and in, I, I was been the grenaded. germans i was yeah. the germans yeah. and dave Rod was, was the americans dave was the germans i was the americans and I, I was figuring out i had a i was taking way too long just like i am now but i was i was trying to figure out what to do and dave said i think you know, you could just bayonet charge straight through the building and try and attack my troops on the other side. And I was like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> and then he looked at me and was like, well, you don't have to do that because it's kind of stupid. But I did it and I got incredibly lucky. It's never a good idea. That's how I won. So bayonet charge through the building, good idea. Yeah, and I, the, for most of the convention, I, I think my die rolling was bordering on abysmal. 
like really bad. I, th- I think in the game with Rod, I want to say maybe two or three times I rolled above like a two on a d6. Yeah, it was, and, uh, it was great cool. because I like I like to show uh, new guys at the convention, new guys meeting people. I would like to show them a good time and like make sure that they enjoy themselves by, by slaughtering all my troops. Uh, that, that's how I felt with Fun the Lake later. You know, I just wanted to, you know, yeah, Dave's new to, new to the coin, so I want him to. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I said <laughs> when I'm gonna get the full. I, we sat down and fire in the lake, and I had agreed to play. And I know I I played it a couple times, but I had like no recollection of how to play it. And I was the Arvin, and Rod was the US. And was it who was it? Braxton and Mitch, Rod. Yeah, Braxton was the uh, VC, and Mitch was the NBA. Yeah, so I basically just then went on my own merry way like the Arvin tends to do and just look out for its own interests and not try to help the U.S. at all. And so and, and I took it upon myself to just pound the VC. Like every turn I took, and I actually felt bad because I think I made made his life kind of – it wasn't much of a fun game for him, and he kind of pointed that out afterwards. But every turn all I did was go VC hunting, air, you know, sweep, airstrike, sweep, airstrike. And just he was wiped out at the end, wasn't he? I think he had like one piece left. Yeah, it didn't become because just because I haven't played a lot of face to face games of it, it didn't become apparent to me how the game had gone until a, a guy walking by said, "Oh my god, look at the map!" And like every almost every province of Vietnam was coin controlled, was under coin control. And wow. I like then I noticed my score, like where my score was, and then apparently <laughs> I won the game. And then Mitch and Braxton got mad and robbed. They, they, but in my defense, yeah. When when the person who wins says, "Apparently, I won," that's never a good sign for the other players. In my defense, they they are right. I I did, I did make a misstep on that last turn. But in my defense, both of them had opportunities to impact you, and they decided instead instead to screw me. Like they took the. There are two. Mm. I think there are three cards in the game that allow the U.S. player to bring troops out from the um the out of play and they're obviously they're really important to the u.s player and one of them like knocks me out for the turn and in both and they came up really early on and in each case those guys decided to take that instead of taking territory away from the oven so the nva was getting high in the jungle in laos and the vc was you know busy taking events or uh wandering around so i i, I will take the majority of blame for letting dave win but some of it I'm going to lay at those guys. It's like, come on. You know? I, I, I would like to think that yeah. I seduced Rod a little bit. I let him win the Heroes of Normandy game. <laughs> and Rod was feeling pretty good. <laughs> he thought we were kind of a team. We were a team. <laughs> team win. It was a good team. Although, I, we, yeah, we worked together a little bit as well. Although the um, I still want to know where all the money went. Yeah, Rod kept saying, where is all the aid? It was all going to pay some fish. This patronage just keeps going. Yeah, up. that's a good place for it. Yeah, basically, you'd go out to any province in, in Vietnam, and the local council people are driving around in Cadillacs. <laughs> <laughs> having a great time. Uh, yeah, but, no, but, it, but yeah, there was there's a lot of coin control. There was, and uh, yeah, then the coup card uh, or propaganda card, whichever it's called, came up, and it was too late uh, to stop Dave. And I still enjoyed the game. I thought it was fun. I I, I think Braxton. Definitely didn't because he kind of just made pounded. And you know what it's like in the early game, Jason. Like the you know the the you know, yeah. the Arvin and the USA really yeah, it can be tough. are getting yeah. the run right. So it's um, 
we didn't get into the mid game really when it starts to get competitive. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, I think what was it Friday evening? Then Braxton begs me to play a distant plane, which I've never played before. Um, I guess Lucas had started a game with them and then had to go. So uh, he's like, no, we need a fourth guy. So I'm like, whatever. So I'm playing the U.S. or the co- coalition. It's a coalition. Yeah. And uh, yep. so now they're out to get me because I won. The, they're still, <laughs> still pissed about the fire and the light game. So Braxton is, is the Afghan government. So he's my, my ostensible ally. And then Mitch is the Taliban. And uh, the medicine man, John Allgood, is the, uh, is what is it, the uh, warlords? The warlords. Yes, I've never played yep. before. So um, basically I start off, I'm, I'm coming to mid-game and there's like almost no U.S. troops already on the map. Like he's already kind of pulled everyone, surged everyone out. So I'm right on the cusp of, of maybe winning the whole time. Uh, and so it, we play and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, I just want to end the game. I mean, I'm, I, I was kind of burned out. I didn't like the game as much as I uh, like Fire in the Lake. Um, but even I got to say, I'm not, I, I'm kind of not liking the coin games as much. Like, I feel like if I sit down at a coin game, I'm really like, oh, please let the card come up that ends the game. You know, I get this feeling at some point. <laughs> so, so I'm. Um, you been, to be fair though, you've been that way pretty much from the start. The fucking coup card. Ever since we started talking about it, it was. I, I forget what it's called. The propaganda. I guess it's the propaganda card in the discipline. Coup or yeah, propaganda. Yeah. It was like the third to last card. All right. So uh, so basically, I uh, finally like it was the third to last card. The final propaganda card came up, and I guess I was in a position where I could win based on my points, and uh, Braxton could have done something. I'm I'm not clear on what the cards were, but basically Braxton decided to screw me over the Afghans to keep me from winning, knowing that none of, nobody would meet their victory points, and then John would probably have enough to uh, win me based beat me based on how close he was to his victory conditions. So Braxton begged me to play in the game. I agreed to play it, even though I didn't want to. He then paid me back by screwing me over at the end so I couldn't win. While then Mitch, the Taliban, made a play that helped John get closer to his victory conditions. Wow. That's messed up. Yeah, that is fucked up, right? I mean, no I didn't even want to play a discipline. It, it's, like it's almost like they got me to play so they could get me back. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So how, what time did that game finish? Probably like uh, eight thirty. I mean, I don't know. It seems like time stands still. Wow. While okay. we're playing, because I will say the one thing about GMT West that I I do not appreciate, and if they're listening to this, is the the lack of beer. Uh, you know, around the gaming table yeah. really does uh, it lessens the experience. That'll make the day yeah. The drag. story is that they 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 say that they've had problems in the past with uh, people getting into it. I, I mean, that. I heard some scre- I heard some screaming arguments over Battlestar Galactica. So I can only imagine yeah. how that would be if you included liquor or anything in there. I like to imagine that Mitch got drunk one night and went off on somebody. No, seriously, I, there were two guys yelling at each other at this convention about Battlestar Galactica and like yelling, like not like having a stern conversation, heated voices, like literally yelling at each other, showing each other the same page of the rules back and forth. Wow, that's bad. But, by the way, before before I forget, speaking of Mitch, that man has excellent taste in beer. We we went back to uh, we went back to the hotel, and I'm like, oh, we should stop and get 
get some beer and I'm going to like get some crappy IPA or something. And Dave's like, no, you're not allowed. Like Mitch, Mitch has high standards and he busted out these uh, great beers and stuff. Nice. Yeah. The only criticism would be he didn't have enough of them. I would say, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. But Our guild is pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we played uh, fire in the lake. We played a distant plane. Um, I played hero of Normandy, a bunch of heroes, of Normandy, a bunch of played shining path with all good in the morning. The first day we were there and uh, it was okay, but it felt like that game might not ever end. So, uh, so we kind of stopped that game. At some so point, does that, like, does that modify your rating of it? Yeah. You know, I, I don't like it as much now that I've actually played it face to face. Cause it got to the point where I'm like, I think the victory condition, I was like one of the countries, one of the sides political support level has to get to zero. And I was like, I don't know if that could ever happen. Like, yeah. I don't know. So I wondered about that. Yeah. So that wasn't as fun. Um, John and I played, uh, uh, Fallen Eagles, the uh, Hexasim Napoleonics game. We played the Prussian Sledgehammer, I think, scenario. That That's a lot of fun. We, I really enjoyed that. Had a lot of people come up to me and ask me about the game because it's really gorgeous. And uh, it's definitely like the lowest level of complexity, I think, that I would play for Napoleonics, but it was a blast. And then, uh, and then uh, Rod and I played uh, La Retour, uh, and Rod, you want to talk about that because that was kind of yeah. your introduction, I think, to that game. Yeah, that was, was a great time. Uh, so uh, Dave walked me through it. We were we were playing the was it the Quattro Bras scenario, I think, right? Yeah, th- this is the Vida Emperor uh, series uh, from it was from Pratson. Now I think Legion has put it in out, and uh, it is uh, this is the La Retorre de la Emperor series, the Quattro Bras scenario, uh, and it, it's its level of complexity is just about yeah how i like even you know basically you were the living rule book for me but um it it was it felt right and it's got that thing that i used to love when i was a kid playing napoleonics and i'm i want to get back into now of that dynamic of okay you threaten a cavalry charge the infantry then go into square and then you shoot them with the shoot them while they're in square with the artillery all of this you know uh, rock paper scissors dynamic um it's also one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. My God, that map and those counters are just amazingly gorgeous to see. Yeah, the counters are really nice. I like the uh, I like how they have the little guys on them. In fact, uh, Duck made a vassal module for Lavator, and he's even got it now where when you form square, it puts the little guys all the way around the rims of the counter. That's awesome. Um, and we played it. I lost, but uh, I think just, and it was one of those ones where it felt really appropriate like the, the game itself develops like a napoleonic battle like the way you look at it on maps i think it was better with the command and control stuff we had an abortive start and then they was like you know what maybe we ought to play with command and control a little bit and that stopped yeah yeah you need to play with the command ranges otherwise you get some weird stuff where units will be running all over the map trying uh, to track down routed units or disorganized units so we played with the uh, six six hex uh, core command range and the 10 hex army commander range. And I think that kind of reined in all that kind of weirdness that we were seeing in the beginning. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, there were so many good things about it. What, I mean, one of the things seems obvious, but I love a game with a good movement allowance, like really feel you're making moves each turn because you can shift things around the map to a really good clip, which felt great. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the Quattro Bras scenario especially is good because it kind of it's a meeting engagement, uh, especially if the French player is the newer player. Um, it gives you a chance. You know, you get a cavalry charge usually right off the bat. It gives you a chance to kind of try the different rules out uh, without too much, and then the game gradually builds in scale as the British start showing up. And it's interesting because, um, Rod, you did the strategy of kind of trying to bypass Jemmy and Court and try, try to just lunge right for Quatre Bras, yeah. which was good initially, but then, you know, there were consequences later when you, you had trouble getting past that fortified farm. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it was, it was just enough friction that it may have turned it. And that, that whole scenario just felt it, it, you know, every now and again, you get those wonderful war game scenarios where, one side is attacking and they get like to high tide and then the other side attacks and it feels really well balanced. And that game, it had it. I thought it felt really good. Yeah, so basically Rod ended up picking Quattro Bras and was looking pretty good. But then what always happens is the British guard shows up and then they, they managed to actually drive him out of Quattro Bras. And while Rod at that point, I think he had to go. So he was like, well, you know, I think that's it. You win. I don't know that it was guaranteed that they were going to hold him. I mean, it was definitely still... Uh, in the balance, I think, as far as the fighting. Yeah, yeah. It it, it felt to me like the it had just flipped. But, um, yeah, I was annoyed I had to go, but I, I did have to get back. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And I think you've successfully got me. I'm eyeballing my Chandler on the shelf, and it's like, oh, God, here I go again. I've got to get back into Napoleonics. So. Well, they just shipped the uh, Spanish War uh, quad game. For for Viva Emperor, Th- that's the that's the one I want. I, I really like the Spanish uh, War rather than the whole Waterloo area stuff. So I'm gonna pick that. Yeah, I got a, I got a shipping email on that uh, yesterday. So cool. So for evening gaming, we were uh, we messed around with Sentinels of the Multiverse. That's uh, a game I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. Just kind of a light thing for us to do. And uh, Rod, what do you think of that one? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think that uh, we we picked. I'd played it on the iPad before, um, but not the actual game. I think we picked a villain. My God, she would not die. Like she just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. It's like, oh, she's invincible was it again. Citizen, was, it, was it Citizen Dawn? Is that how you find <laughs> Citizen Dawn? I mean, I, I was tired you, when we you, went into it, but we finished at what two, two thirty? I got it. Was like, yeah, basically at the end, it was probably like ten, and Rod's like, yeah, I'm just going to grab a beer and get to sleep. It's like ten o'clock. And like, <laughs> yeah, cool. We got some beer, and so then we kept him up playing Sentinels of the Multiverse till two in the morning. Oh. But it, it was really fun. But yeah, I think we picked the wrong villain. And like, that game we just were not good. We were not good at the rules. I mean, the rules are so easy. And like, yet reverse is not okay. I play a card, then I play a power, then I draw a card. Like we just can't keep it straight. <laughs> what we're supposed to do? Yeah, we. we uh, I don't think we played the rules according as written. But we we were within the same county and I, as the rules, and I think that's good enough. Well, we, we played uh, the next night, uh, right after you left, and we had a couple total party kills, so don't worry about it. I feel better. Yeah, different different villains, same result. That's funny. Yeah, it was a good game. It just went on a little bit too long. Yeah, so we had a bunch of, like I said, a bunch of guildies there playing. Uh, I know Ralph was playing Infini, Infini La Regret. Whatever, whatever that game is, the sure. medieval game, and he was playing Wutrus. And actually, uh, funny story: Wutrus was playing him, and uh, 
I guess Woodruff's we did. They'd had some pizza that they gave us. So John's eating the pizza and then his stomach started bothering him. So he ran back to the hotel and uh, he takes care of business at the hotel based on the pizza ingestion. And then he's washing his hands in the sink and he looks at the back of his forearm and there's two counters from the game stuck to his forearm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. So then, so then they realize he's okay. So he grabs those two, and he goes back to to the convention. And now Ralph's trying to look around and figure out where the hell the counters are. And uh, John felt bad because he was, uh, you know. So they're walking around looking for counters, looking for, like because they're missing one counter. They did an inventory, so there was must have been a third counter that was stuck to his forearm that they couldn't find. And, and it turns out like um, the next day in the bathroom, Ralph. Found <laughs> so it turns out that they'd been stuck to John's arm the entire time when he got in the car, drove back to the hotel, took care of business. <laughs> so, that was funny. That's impressive. I, I, I've also, top eating tip in Hanford. If you'd like something light, eat Thai. There's a Thai restaurant in Hanford. That's the place to go. That's a good tip. Yeah, it was the eating options aren't great for the city. Oh, yeah. So, and by the way, so that gave Wootrus, Wootrus earned his guild nickname with that incident because he's now named Tar Baby. So, uh, I was now. wondering where that came from. So, that's it for uh, uh, GM2 West for me. I actually, all I did from it was uh, the uh, Space Empire's Close Encounters uh, uh, add on, the, the expansion. To space empires, and then I bought like twenty counter trays, and that's basically all I got out of it. Rod, did you did you stuck around for the sale? Did you get anything at the sale? I did. I um I bought a co- a a damaged copy of Victory Roads, thinking I'd get a discount, but they charged me full price. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, I got. Uh, oh yeah, no, no discounts on Hexasim. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it said damaged on the thing. It was in the damage section. I gave it to the lady. I was like, "Look, it's damaged," and she just nodded at me and went, "Yep, that's great." She and, said, uh, "Sure it is." It sure is. And, but anyway, it's only the box, so I don't really care. Um, and uh, I got uh, Infinity Regret. I think uh, just because some of the guilders were saying that was good, and I also got Ukraine Forty Three, and that was the one I got on discount. Um, and to my regret, I didn't buy the U.S. Civil War, so I ordered it as part of the GMT sale, yeah. and I realized I'm not allowed to, and they haven't sent it yet, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. So You'll get an email in three weeks saying that it wasn't part of the sale. Yeah. Well, I, I'm happy to be full price to it. I, I hate – well, I don't like the U.S. Civil War as a period. It's not my thing, but uh, it, the Victory Games Civil War game is so good, it just – it overpowers my lack of interest in the uh, in the period, so I got to get the remake. <laughs> yeah, and after losing most of my games, I did win one of my Heroes of Normandy games only when I was teaching it to Tar Baby, and then uh, I actually cheesed him because I, I remembered the Zone of Rules right at the end, that which allowed me to win the scenario. So <laughs> I, I basically taught I taught him the Zone of Control rule <laughs> as a way of beating him in the scenario. <laughs> oh, by the way. So that, that was probably bullshit, but whatever. But I, I actually lost almost every other game I played, I think. Except with Rod. I gotta invite Rod back more often because I seem to have good luck when Rod was involved. Yeah, my pleasure. My, my pleasure. So that's it for me for GMT West. It was good. I drove back Saturday night. I left around midnight. Um, 
after we'd finished up a distant plane and I don't know if we played anything else. I think we just hung out and talked for a while. And then uh, I just drove home, got home around two in the morning. And that was it for me. And that's it. Yeah, I, I left, as you know, on Saturday. And oh, boy, it was a great convention. I, I wish I could have stayed longer and I wish I'd gone earlier. But I had to get back because I'm selling my house. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and in the fine tradition of GMT, at one point, like Braxton lost his car keys last year. I thought they had lost my car keys. I couldn't find my keys. They weren't on my clip. I actually, I, I ran back to uh, where Tar, Tar Baby's car was parked, and they were actually sitting in the backseat of Tar Baby's car where they'd come off my clip. And uh, Braxton, there's two bathrooms. There's two bathrooms in the warehouse. And uh, Braxton thought there was something plastic stuck in the sink of one of the bathrooms. So he used his hands to try to move it because the water wouldn't walk through it. And it turns out it was a giant piece of gelatinous phlegm that somebody had spit oh, into this. The, the oh, drain. very nice. <laughs> yeah. He was using his hands to try to get it out. I literally went, he came and told me I went and used that bathroom an hour later and it still was sitting in there. It was oh. as if. It was so firm. It was like a piece of ceramic. Oh, whoa, don't say firm. <laughs> Dude, it's like, I, 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 think, I think between when Braxton had massaged it and I thought, I think it had actually evolved. I think it was becoming intelligent. It was sentient by the time I was messing with it. Okay, can, can I, can it I go back to... It was a promo for dominant species. Can, can it, I go back to question? It literally... It was like a drain. It was almost thick oh. enough to be a drain. But it was a big loogie in the sink. Oh, I think when, I'm going to be sick. Oh, no sick. amount of water uh, would rinse it down the sink. At, at what point? I, I try. I, at what point did Braxton? I, I just questioned this decision process. The sink isn't draining, <laughs> right? You know, there's some shit in there. You're at a warehouse filled with gamers. At what point he does, does he go through the roll of decisions <laughs> and he's like, "I know, I'm going to stick my fucking hand in there." <laughs> I think, and it's like on top of the metal drain, like you know how you have the metal drain, like the whatever. Oh. It's just sitting on top of there, like a balloon, like a jellyfish. Oh. It's kind of like a jellyfish oh. just sitting oh. on top of there. But I, I think it actually took a DNA imprint from Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it spreads. That's Literally, exactly. Like I'm like, if you know you've got that kind of stuff, like, can you not throw, spit that into the toilet? Oh. Like, and they, they have the other weird thing about the bathrooms there. It's kind of funny. Uh, they're on the same electrical line, so if you're in one bathroom and you leave, and first of all, for good reason, the uh, the air fan in the bathroom is like a jet turbine. So when you turn oh, it on. When you turn on the light, that thing starts going, and like if something's not tied down, it is flying out the ceiling of the warehouse through that fan. So it's pretty loud. So there's a natural tendency to when you leave the bathroom to shut the light off, except that it's also the light for the second bathroom. <laughs> somebody might be. So some guy might be in there like, oh. hello? Anybody out there? Oh, God. <laughs> and then from, the, then from the sink, that guy hears, are you my father? By the way, Biscuit, Daisy. before we, uh, I, I also appreciate TurboJet, the TurboJet fan. But before we finish about GMT West, if anybody from GMT ends up listening to this, could you please cut down the speeches? God, it went on. Like, what was it, two hours? Never going to happen. 
Oh no, my God! I I, I want to say it's 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 Tar Baby who said it. Somebody said this. They said I used to think it was the the money I spent as my admission to GMT West. He goes, now I realize the price I pay is the speech. Oh my! I get to sit through the speech. Wow! And I was I was forearmed, and so everybody said, yeah, you know what? There's usually some speeches like Gene and these designers will talk. So yeah, you might want to come in a bit later. And so I, I stagger in, what was it, like 9.45, something like that. And they're still going on, and they go on for another yeah, hour. Brutal. And it, it was, we're all hanging outside. Yeah. Like, it was we, like we a were all Stalin. Outside, like, like, screwing around. Yeah, it was one of these Stalin-esque, like, speeches. Like, everybody's, like, on constant monologues. And all of the uh, – yeah. oh, God. They, they had a bunch of different designers there, so every designer has to get up there and be like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. A funny story about how the production worked or, or something my wife used to tell me. You're just like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Yuck. Uh, but, yeah, so we basically were the, we were the crowd hanging out on the loading dock outside, like smoking cigarettes, basically, just like the, <laughs> the you know, bad boys. Like that, that, that's where we were the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we were the uh, the street toughs, the cool get the cool kids. Yeah, medicine <laughs> medicine man was inside. He was trapped. He kept miming that he was blowing his brains out with a finger gun. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so so that's that's our GMT West report. But that's 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 the con, right? Between that and um, game on, those are going to be the two yearly cons, right? Until we get ours up off the ground. Yeah, and Tar Baby and Medicine Man are all fired up to, to plan something down in Dallas Fort Worth. So I like it. They want to really do something like a podcast convention, so we'll see. I've already primed the chamber for that one. I can only imagine what that means. Literally on the ground. I've, I've, I've told my wife that when it happens, I will be going. That's all it means. Okay, good. that's fine. Well, but you've got a. I mean. You, you got you've got a newborn, right? So you've got a you've basically got a year off. You're not allowed to travel, or you're going to try and they, push for six months. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm going for. I'll I'll try to make GMT West next fall, and then um, even if that doesn't happen, I've I've told her next February game on. I'm going to Issaquah. You can go if you want to, but but I'm going for sure. That's because I also want to point out that that Rod earlier said something about meeting his wife. And then said something like he wrote it for all that it was worth. I just lost <laughs> actual literal. Yeah. No, I, I think a year. I think a year is is more than fair uh, to your wife. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's. I, I think once the child is having regular bowel movements, then your work is done. You're out of there. <laughs> is, that, is that how it works? Hey. Yeah. Once they're digesting food. You're fine. They're digesting food now. You're like, my, my job here is done. Yeah. Uh, yes. My load how, is how, spent. How many, months, how many months old? It's nine weeks. It is nine weeks old. It? Is it a he or a she? It is a he. It is a he. Don't start putting okay. gender roles on the child. This early. <laughs> yeah. Come on. He does have a gender neutral name, though. So. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll be at one of those two cons next year for sure. Cool. Well, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what about recent game purchases? Have you guys bought anything good recently? I have bought nothing for quite a quite a long time now. 
Rob, besides because of, your GMT because of the purchases, kid. besides your GMT purchases, have you bought anything else? I have, and I'm struggling to remember what they are. Um, I bought, oh, I bought um, a, uh, it is a Burma Advanced Squad Leader uh, scenario pack. It is some third party gaming company. Um, Saint, the St. Louis guys. St. Yes, Louis yeah. Oh, man. It is so good. Like I think it's better than um, To the Bridge, which is the. Uh, do you have to one. have Rising? Do you have to have Rising Sun to play it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you do. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, and, and oh, you're going to yeah. need the um, King and Country one as well. Um, <clears throat> Rising Sun is worth it, though. You, you should definitely get that. Oh, I, it, it is, but it's also while it is worth it, it's also worth quite a bit. So I have to hold yeah. off on that for now. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but I'm I'm the heretic that. Uh, I actually like to play like homebrew or even retro, which I know I know, Dave, that for you that's that's heresy. No, it, it's not heresy. I just am not into the retro. So that, that's that's cool. Although, although I, I think that your tastes of uh, complexity are a little bit beyond mine. I, I when we're at GMT West, Dave looks me in the eye, and I'm like, "Well, how? What was the game we were talking about?" I was asking how complex it was between. There was some game that said, how complex is it? Labatai. Labatai, that's right. It was a complicated game. I was like, well, in terms of complexity, like, you know, there's complex games. Would you put it, you know, where would you put it between, you know, OCS and Advanced Squad Leader? And Dave looks me in the eye and he's like, OCS isn't complicated. And at that point, I knew we were living in different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. It's not complicated for you. You and me both. Yeah. Yeah, in your world, it's not complicated. In mine, it's uh, it's complicated. And when you guys are saying retro, you mean the Minton Games ASL light rules called retro? I do. I, right, I, I, like they're a version of ASL. Yeah. I sometimes use a mix of that, or I uh, use homebrew rules, which is basically the basic squad leader uh, infantry with other squad leader rules that I pick and choose. Um, and surprisingly, ASL scenarios kind of work with that. Rob, were you the one that I was making fun of about with rolling the dice where you did your first roll and the dice like fell out of your hand? I don't think so. <laughs> it may be. Maybe it, it, might have been, it might have been It might have been. All good. I think All good got to the table and he like literally did a roll where he goes like, dump and like that dice like went plunk <laughs> i'm like are you fucking kidding me can you put a little bit of action actually yes, get some was. yes there, that buddy. wasn't it yeah and and it was uh it was a winning roll as well and so i i literally, it literally <laughs> like came out of my palm like and traveled like what was it like half an inch and i was like oh look it's yeah. how lucky i think he <laughs> I think I think he didn't want to knock over any counters, so he just basically goes like plop. And I'm like, dude, you gotta put some wrist action on the dice. What the fuck? I, I believe you also <laughs> questioned my tweez- tweezer skills. You're like, use the fucking tweezers. Like it's not, not hard. Yeah, you're te- I'm getting my sausage <laughs> fingers like in there every time. You're terrible with <laughs> He was te- I, I I had a pair of tweezers for him and Rod refused to use them. He kept using his hands. And like in this game, like you know, it's not as yeah, bad yeah. as like Labatai, but units will be one will be in column, one will be in line, so they're actually crisscrossing each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he got better. He, he improved. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever got to functional, but I, uh, yeah, I, I tried. I did my best. I love that little sucker thing you got though. That's badass. 
Yeah, that's a total vanity tool. I don't think I've ever actually used it for any kind of gaming purpose. I can imagine that being used in ASL a lot because the stacks just get crazy. Right. It is useful for occasionally taking a top counter off to see what's under it. So, All right. Well, my purchases, I bought the U.S. Civil War. Of course, I had that on pre-order. I've gotten Victory Roads. Haven't explored either of them enough to really talk about them too much. Um, but I do have the uh, Cuatro España, whatever the, I don't even know if that's the name. It's the four battles in Spain from the Viva Emperor series. I had pre-ordered that sucker shipping to it. And I bought a basic deck for Netrunner. So that's what I bought. Uh, very recently. nice. That's a fun game. And I bought Battle Lore. But I'll talk about that later. Oh, cool. All right, so Rod, what do you play? Uh, Jason, do I even need to ask you, Jason, do you play anything? Um, I'm playing a couple games on Vassal. Playing um, the, Mike Haggerty and I just wrapped up Warriors of God. Um, wrapped up an 1830 game that I f- fucked up the ending and really, really hosed Jesse. Um, <laughs> that's a game you kind of have to... It, and it's easier to do in person. You can kind of see where everybody is. And I was like, eh, fuck it. It's time for me to make my move. Well, my move put Will in a, a really great place. So I, I tanked the 1830 game. So now we're playing 1856. Um, and I think Haggerty and I are going to start playing um, Hearts and Minds. Because I wanted to play something that I knew. And um, he was he was easy on me and picked Hearts and Minds, which which was very nice of him. But that's about it. And then I'll, I'm playing uh, Tonkin solo. Um, or no, not Tonkin. Dan Bien Phu on my table now. What about you, Rod? What are you playing? I am playing... I've uh, got two uh, coin games on Vassal. A, uh, one is a two-player Fire in the Lake. Uh, Tom. Tom was at the con, and I are playing that two-player... And then I've got a another four-play game, a distant plane, and I am soloing through Genesis, the new. It's the sequel to Pax Romana, mm. which I kind of had ambivalent views about Pax Romana, but Genesis looks to be a lot more polished. And by polished, I mean they got rid of all of the amphibious rules, so uh, that's good. <laughs> so, you think is, by is, polished you mean playable? Is Genesis better than Pax Romana? Because I thought Pax Romana was okay. Do you like? I looked at Genesis. Do you like Genesis better? I like it more so far, although I don't like the period as much. But I do like the fact that because Genesis is so far back, uh, Richard Berg can be Richard Berg and just take a lot of artistic license and do his thing, <laughs> which is it's good. Nice. Yeah, it's good. You know, I, I like that. Um, but we'll see. The jury's out. I've only played uh, the first two scenarios, so I haven't played the full campaign yet. Um, so that, and I've also been playing uh, Year of the Rat uh, as I make my way through Vietnam games. And I am setting... Done. Sorry? He was, he was complimenting uh, you. I, 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 just, I was agreeing. Yeah, I, love I said nicely done. And uh, I am setting up um, In Country, which is the – it's another SNT game. It's the sequel to uh, Winged Horse. I don't know if you've ever played it, Jenna, uh, Jason, but you should. Winged Horse is nope. really good. Um, yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah, it's one of my – it's one of my contenders for best Vietnam game, um, which is pretty high praise. And – in country hmm. may be better. It covers all of the war instead of Wing Horse, which is for the first 
couple of years of the U.S. involvement. Um, but that's the big two mapper. Yeah, right? it's the big two mapper, and the big problem is all of the charts and tables are on the map, uh, and I don't think it should have become a two mapper. And of course, because it's freaking decision there's no vassal module for it which is a big pain in the butt yeah 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 i have it i haven't played it yet because it's it's a little bit unruly uh table wise yeah i i think when you get a chance I, I think you'd like it um and it definitely has an opinion like it's definitely of the uh it, 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 it definitely has an opinion on the war which is hey it was more about the regular warfare rather than insurgencies and guerrillas uh which i appreciate mm-hmm. as an opinion you know it's good yeah. The, the accompanying article with that was a little like, well, the U.S. could have won the war if their doctrine was completely 180 degrees different from what it was. Yeah. And that's not really a, a fair assessment, I think. Yeah. I, th- I think there's there's a lot of... But in- interesting. There, it is, it's, it's interesting, and it has a point of view. I think that there's a lot of interesting revisionism about the Vietnam War from... The North side and the USA side, which I think both kind of bear a bit of scrutiny, um, and the northern yeah. the northern side in particular, I'm I, I I hopefully later on when we talk about reviews, I can bring a bit of scrutiny to bear on that because I think some of it sure. is, is a bunch of crap. <laughs> Very nice. I could write any of the games. Uh, what else? Think that oh I I'm setting up Red Winter in preparation to reacquaint myself with those rules for Dauntless, which is the new one coming out hopefully next month I think in the series uh, and that's it. Yeah, I can't I can't, Very nice. I can't wait until Ralph gets his copies of that game. Oh, he's the is that a thing? Is awesome. that a thing? I'll email him. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> is that how it works? Uh, okay, so no, never, never works like that ever. Um, so, so uh, I had two Empire of the Sun games going. They're both okay. I'm kind of using Steam because I made the mistake of playing two games with the same game system. So I'm kind of yeah. losing track of where from I'm different at. sides, right? Yeah, that's uh, that. That's been kind of productive. Uh, I'm playing the Soviets in East Front Two against Justin, and uh, kind of trying to slow down his German steamroller a little bit in that game. Uh, then for OCS Case Blue, the Duck and I are playing the Drive for Oil, which is a pretty big uh, southern Case Blue scenario. And uh, the Duck is the Axis, and I'm the Soviets, so I'm sure he will crush me in that game. I am so jealous. But and that's on. This is all Vassal. Pretty much everything I'm describing is Vassal. So uh, and then we're starting a Space Empires campaign. We kicked it off this morning. Uh, there's four of us that are playing. And uh, the Vassal module looks pretty interesting, so we'll see how we do on it. Um, oh, I'm, and I've also been testing, uh, made his uh, Levator uh, de la Empereur, uh, a Vassal module. So we tested that with the Quattro Bras scenario the other night. It seems like it's pretty good. So Cool. Very and cool. then finally, a Fed Commander. I, I looked around for a fleet-scale game. I saw that Talon still is not out from GMT, and uh, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to do Starfire again. So I went back to Fed Commander, Federation Commander, and I used the fleet scale uh, of ship displays. And I've actually got a pretty big, like 14 or 16 ship battle going on right now, uh, solo with Federation Commander and enjoying it. So I think maybe 
the fleet scale of Federation Commander might be what I'm looking for as far as getting that kind of space fleet type battle that feels good. And uh, in fact, game on now, we're going to be doing a big guild Federation Commander fleet scale battle with everybody running their own ships. Nice. So, so hopefully we can get that together. That's going to be great. Yeah, we, we've probably got about six or seven guys at least that are going to be participating, so it should be fun. It should be more than enough. That'll be good. So um, based on alcohol consumption, does anyone want to raise their hand to do their review before the others? Uh, I, c- I appreciate the offer, but but I'm I'm good for now. I, c- I can do mine. I'm uh, I'm nearly an extra beer in, so it might be good to. <laughs> okay, Rod, why don't you go ahead? Okay, so um, uh, mine is a uh, year of the rat, and it is it's a strategy and tactics uh, game, and actually it doesn't have the number. Oh, here we go. Uh, it is from Strategy and Tactics number thirty-five. And the interesting thing about it is it's about the Easter Offensive in Vietnam in 1972. And it was published in 1972. So the same year that the events took place, uh, Strategy and Tactics put out a game, uh, which I think is interesting in and of itself. Uh, the, I'm just making sure I've got the author right. Uh, the, designer, the design credits are actually kind of interesting. Okay, so the um, uh, the design is listed as I think it's John Prados. Uh, uh, it is who later went on to do a bunch of notable games. I think Third Reich, uh, but in the actual designer's notes, it's uh, Dunnigan who is talking about the design and he's using the word "we" a lot. So I think it's probably a, a co-design. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or he developed it kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think Prados was like a teenager at the time, so it may have been his first – one of his first entries. Into yeah. It. Um, uh-huh. So the uh, uh, the game itself is um, – it's really interesting as a historical document, like as how game designers viewed the war at the time. American game designers viewed the war. Um, but to give a brief overview, it starts out with – the uh, North Vietnamese player will decide – well, actually, first of all, you randomly decide what the victory conditions and the order of battle will be, which is really cool. And I think that's – that in and of itself marks – And is that open information? Uh, that is open information on the Allied side and closed information uh, on the Viet- uh, North Vietnamese nice. side. Um, and so like you get all these different variants, and so you know, variants can be – um, a longer build-up, a delayed build-up, or um, uh, infiltration, for example, and then you place your units uh, uh, accordingly. The the North Vietnamese has got a lot of the counter-dummies, um, so I think it, seven of the 20-odd uh, counter-mix are dummies, and three of the nine supply are dummies. And I think that's interesting in of itself <laughs> in the you know, from this perspective, the North Vietnamese had the intelligence advantage. That actually, I think, is completely opposite uh, the, from the facts because, you know, General Abram was explicitly pointing out which North Vietnamese regiments were start, were getting ready for an offensive in January. 
Like the offenses start in March. Mm-hmm. He's noting them in January, exactly where they are in Laos, and he's bombing them in February and March. And so you know, the idea mm-hmm. that this is some kind of super surprise absolutely is, is not the case historically. Like the U.S. and the South Vietnamese. Yeah, not, not that late in the war. Yeah, they knew exactly where they were. Um, and so you, you place those units, and a lot of it is you're, you're trying to feint the U.S. It's, you know, the U.S. Arvin player, the Allied player, as to where the big uh, push is going to come. Almost invariably, you get the most points actually for Quang Tri, which is for those who don't know, it's the northernmost town next to North Vietnam. You get more points for that than uh, the Saigon area, which sort of indicates where you're meant to push. Um, and then you, uh, then the Arvin player sets up, and then the uh, communist player gets to adjust their setup. Um, they put uh, the rest of their forces, so there's a little bit of that give and take. Um, then the, the the sequence of play is super easy. It is the communist player moves, then fights, um, and then the U.S. player bomba- uh, moves, bombards, and then fights. Uh, bombardment in terms of air power is a huge deal in this game. Um, you know, literally, you start off with I don't know, like thirteen or fourteen points, and you only get more as time goes by. And every turn, the communist player is just pounded by air power. Um, the way bombardment works is the U.S. player just points at a hex, says, I'm bombarding that, and rolls the dice. And it can do anything from disrupt to suppress um, that unit to, at the very top end, it can actually destroy units. But it's pretty brutal. Um, now, the, is the, do, the, do the destruction results come in, like, if you're in the clear, or do you have to terrain, be in some yeah. kind of terrain? Yeah. Uh, to get those terrain, possible results. Terrain modifies it slightly, but only to the positive. So if you're in the clear, then the bombardment points are doubled. Uh, but you can still uh, kill units at the top end. Hold on a minute. I've got like the sheet right here. Uh, yeah, you only need six bombardment points to get uh, a full elimination. Uh, uh, on a, And that's a one in six chance. Um, so it's it can happen, and it does happen. Uh, quite a lot. Um, the on the uh, communist side, you get supply points. The first two turns, you get full combat supply, which is everything's at full strength. And then after that, you have to expend your supply units um, to get back up to full strength. Otherwise, you have strength, um, and you've got six of them. And so, picking where you're putting your supply versus where you're going to continue the offensive versus um, the your dummies is really important for the communist player. Um, interestingly, although bombardment is relatively deadly, the combat results table is really not deadly at all, um, except for the attacker. So it goes all the way up to 10 to 1, and it's only when you reach 8 to 1 that you can get an eliminated result, but an attacker can get eliminated at 1 to 1. So it really is like way, way wow. swung in terms of the defender's advantage. It's like a World War One game. Um, I, I've heard that about this game, but I, I didn't realize it was that yeah that lopsided. That's yeah, it's, it's a big swing. Um, so that is really tough on the communist player at the beginning. And if they gain ground, it then becomes pretty tough on... The Allied player, but the Allied player, because of that bombardment stuff, there's no limitation. So you can just bomb the crap out of Saigon if you want. Um, 
So they definitely have the edge. Um, I've now played this game three times. Both of them were pretty close to a blowout for the Allies. Um, and it, you definitely feel the randomness factor. I like chaos in war games. I really like it. But this one, it kind of felt pretty early on. Okay, I, I got to get lucky early on to to have a shot. Um, the uh, uh, there's it's not there's not much movement going on after the initial offensives where the offensives are going to land. Um, the 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 allied player can air mobile forces around all the way across the map, and that's kind of exciting. But the communist player is kind of stuck. Um, and again, I think that actually is kind of appropriate. Um, and I also like the fact that because the combat table in general, you know, you, you'd have to be kind of silly to attack at one-to-one, so usually the communist player doesn't. In general, combat tends to dissolve into stalemates pretty quick. You bounce off towns, you go and regroup, and then you try again. And that, you know, historically that makes sense. You know, these battles went on for weeks at a time. They weren't these massive uh, um, decisive engagements. Um, so that's kind of fun. I think that the... Um, the, I think the game would probably be better if they cut the game length in half. Like after turn six, you pretty much know how it's done, and there's not that much point. Mm, that's yeah, interesting. There's just not that much point in carrying on because um, you're basically hoping for incredible dice results. Um, but I love yeah because I met I'm. I imagine initially, if the NVA doesn't get it or the the NLF doesn't get any kind of momentum. Without being able to maneuver, it's going to peter out pretty quickly in those areas. Yeah, exactly. And and then you just sat there, and you, it, it's not it's not that sense of moving to a high tide and then coming back in a good way. It's very much a well, you know, my it, it's like when you play a Barbarossa game and the Germans like never take Kiev. You know, it's like okay, well, we're kind of done here. <laughs> so all right, yep. uh, this year we, we're done. Um, but what I what I what I like about the game is I like the bloodlessness nature nature. I like the um I like the different victory conditions. And I love the fact that this is a game that they didn't know how it was gonna end. And so the common the, sure, the yeah. commentary That's that's crazy to yeah. think about that it was coming out as the conflict was happening. Yeah, it's and it's it's really brave as well. You know, like you think about coming out of the game now, like that close. Like the year it happened, that's I think it's pretty courageous that you know if your country's involved in it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's also you know I imagine would have been pretty painful. Um, and so all of the commentary in the magazine, it's really doom and gloom. Like it is like basically the North Vietnamese soldier, are like these supermen, and you know like while you know the U.S. planners they think that because the North Vietnamese they they plan this conventional war, we can bomb their supply routes. And that will absolutely stop them in their tracks, and then we'll just be able to roll them back, you know. But clearly, the North Vietnamese are getting by with fifteen percent of the supplies, and man for man, they're the greatest soldiers in the world. It actually, says that in the article. And then you look at what happened the year, the two years later, and sure enough, you know, the Arvin just retook everything, yeah. absolutely everything. This was a disastrous offensive for the communist side. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's just, it's interesting reading it, like all of the different, uh, perspectives. Um, and I, I really, well, it, 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 it is interesting too, that the, the game does not sync in with the tone of the, the article. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. The the game, I think, has got has got it more right than the article does, and the article is very much, <laughs> wow, what a, what a disaster the Arsenal, cool. what a disaster the U.S. strategy is, and then um, yeah, the game I think has got it far better in terms of the effectiveness because the Arsenal are actually pretty good in this. You know, they they they, uh, they hold their own. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what would what would you give it for fun? Uh, I would say that the first four turns, the fun are. Oh, we're doing it out of ten. I forget. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good it's, solid. It's a good solid seven. Seven out of ten, and then it quickly plummets to a two. Nice. To a two. You know, so I would just yeah. after turn four, or after turn. I'd six? say after turn six. That yeah. kind of and thing. and you will you yeah. will stop after turn six. I mean, I I force my. I I, I solo played like to the end twice, but trust me, you will stop after turn six. You just won't. Yeah. Is is this maybe the kind of game you could play the first couple turns as the NBA and then switch it around and play the the last ones as the US? Yeah, I think you could. That's a good good shout, actually. Um, And I also think in terms of modifications, you could probably just get rid of the dummy counters entirely because they are not, they are Mm. not historically appropriate. And just make them one six uh, counters, which doesn't make that much difference, but enables you to play it face up. And I think that's more appropriate, given that you know the United States knew oh, cool. knew exactly yeah. where all of the North Vietnamese forces were. Um, so the the double the the hidden information just doesn't work in this. Um, so you could change that as well. All right. Well, good job, Brad. Thank you, sir. And then beers. Beers, it's really simple. Like I think the rules are, they run to like eight pages. So it's a, it's it's five beers for me. It's wow. five beers for me. It could be a lot more for those of you who have got a better tolerance. I, I feel like when you say eight pages, Jason's like, wow, that sounds complicated. <laughs> no, I'm I'm like that's that's perfect for me. I'm on. Board. Yeah, I felt the same way. I looked at it. I'm like eight pages magazine magazine game. Yep, this is right within my complexity level. No. All right, Jason. Yeah, it looks interesting. It's one I've had my eye on. What do you, what do you got for us, Jason? You got a, uh, a game you'd like to review? Sure, I might as well. Uh, I will also go with the Vietnam route. Excellent. Um, I'm going to talk about Phantom Phantom Leader. Uh, this this is a game I couldn't believe I hadn't reviewed already. It's a game I've liked for quite a while. It's a solitaire game uh, modeling kind of three phases of... Um, kind of strategic bombing over North Vietnam. And it's it's kind of in the vein of like the the B17 B29 series um in a way in that once you kind of set things up it just kind of happens to you. You don't have a, a ton of decisions although there are more decisions than in in those B17 B29 games. So the way the game works is um you pick your campaign um it's like 65 um 68 ish and like 72 um and then you pick the length of the campaign short medium or long uh you then pick the pilots that you want to do um and one of the cool things about this game is you can pick either um air force or navy pilots to fly which is kind of a nice subtle change in the in the aircraft that that you can fly with 
uh, one thing that I that I like about it. <clears throat> and then you're pretty much set up to go. So so you have your campaign, your length, and your pilots. Now this is also a, uh, the, this is an iPad game too, right? Yeah. So I, so I did want to talk about that. It's and you've played it on the iPad app, right? Yeah, I have. I have. Radovic, do you have any experience with this game? I have actually played a lot. Uh, it's a fun game. I'm looking forward to your review. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and I've heard the iPad app isn't great, um, which is why I haven't spent the $10 on it, because it's, I don't know, everything I've read is that it's, there's there's tough things about the iPad app. Is that true, Dave? Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say that I was not very successful as a, a phantom leader on the iPad app. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if that's because of me or... I, there's a tendency for me, too, with iPad apps where I'm like, yeah, I'm not reading the rules. I'm just going to start playing it. And that's definitely one where you yeah, need to back yeah. it up and figure out what you're doing before you play. So, I, You're not, you're not crazy because I've played it on the iPad and uh, the, the actual physical version, and I found the iPad version much, much harder. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe just luck. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, the iPad version does have yeah, the, the wonderful dice. I've actually dice, read though. that it cheats. The, the, the iPad version, you actually get to yeah. see the dice rolling around the board, which is cool. That, that, is, nice. that is true. But it, it was hard enough, that I have to say, after a while, I didn't want to play it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, the sequence of play is uh, you'll, you'll draw your targets. Um, so you get based on where you are in the campaign, you get a number of targets that you can draw, and then you pick one to make a run on. Um, you'll determine which uh, which sites come out based on on the site, and then you'll pick what pilots you want to fly this this on on this site. And the site will tell you how many how many how many pilots get to fly. And then you pick the loadout for your planes, uh, and then you you make your run. <clears throat> um, so what happens is you're going to draw an event card and then it will be either positive or negative for you. Uh, you place your aircraft out on the, on the board. Uh, you're going to place some bandits out randomly from, from your cup. Um, and then, and then play the play out your run. So for me, the, the, the kind of joy of the game comes from picking the pilots, picking the loadout. And then you kind of, from there, it's almost out of your hands. Um, you you see where the initial like SAM sites are, but then once those bandit sites come out, bandit sites where the bandits come out is is after you've already placed your pilots, and the the bandits can be pretty pretty deadly. Um, and so then the turn goes that um, fast pilots get to react. They do their things. They can they can attack sites. They can attack bandits as they want to based on their loadout. If they're air to air or air to ground focused, um, and then basically all of the SAM sites, all of the ground troops, and all of the uh, bandits get to attack, and then the rest of your planes can attack. So, kind of based on the randomness of what comes out, it can be pretty deadly. Um, it's a D10 system, so that can be you know, pretty swingy in favor of you or against you. Um, it's a game that I like to play the short, 
scenarios of the short campaigns of because the long campaigns even though you get more pilots and you can kind of have more flexibility in what you do i don't find any more enjoyment out of running 10 sites you know over four sites or three sites or five sites um 10 gets to drag a little bit it's it becomes less and less fun over time to to play it that way. I like the initial choosing the pilots, making those first couple of runs, and then just kind of sorting it out from there. So now, J- it's one I'll bust out. J- Jason, part of my experience with it with the gameplay was uh, I would get a mission and I would have my guys with their loadouts, and so um, I would get to a point in the mission, maybe about the first third of the way through it where I said, okay, if I don't get hits on these two or three weapons, then I'm basically done. Like mm-hmm. yep. if I don't clear these and, two or three things, then I might as well abort because I'm done. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and if you don't abort, you know, you're going to come back with half of your aircraft dead basically. Um, and then if the aircraft do get hit or are destroyed, you can attempt to rescue the pilots. But um, if you take too many hits on the initial campaign or two, or the initial bomb run or two, it's it's going to severely affect you. So that's that's part of why I don't like to play the long campaign because it's you know the the return on investment isn't there, and then you're just spending sending more and more aircraft into the into the meat grinder. Yeah, it just seemed to me so, like the game was. Go ahead. It, it seemed to me like the game was harder than the actual air war. Like on many missions <laughs> that I was, <laughs> I I'd have my entire mission wiped out, and I'm like, well, like, yeah. I get that we might lose aircraft once in a while, but yeah, it wasn't to that rate, and that that that's what I was going to say. So I like to sometimes pair books with games. Um, the the book I paired with this was called Phantom Reflections, um, and it's from a Phantom pilot running, you know, North Vietnamese bombing runs from um, from Thailand. And yeah, over the year he was in in the early war, you know, they lost you know, somewhere between like three to five aircraft from from his squadron. And in this game, you're gonna get just obliterated depending on you know what you're facing and I, I don't think that's really realistic maybe they're modeling something you know more abstract but if you say the aircraft is destroyed then you would think that that's what you're actually modeling yeah right. I, I mean I, it almost and, and it's it, a little bit it feels like i'm running the 10 what really happened it felt like i was running the 10 most dangerous missions my squadron had mm. run that year yeah all in a row basically. right i mean I, I, it's it's so it, just because I was looking it up for um, when I was looking at the Easter offensive for playing uh, Year of the Rat, the the consistent number was two aircraft lost for every thousand sorties over North Vietnam, and fantastic. Sure, the hell doesn't wow. feel like that, does it? <laughs> no, it's about three per. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, unless you bail out, which is detrimental and didn't happen all that often. Um, so I think as a game, it's it's interesting to to tinker with some of the short scenarios and and as a diversion, it's definitely more involved than the B seventeen B twenty nine games. But as a simulation, it's not great. Um, I would rather play something like Downtown, even Solitaire, to model some of these bombing runs. But 
as kind of a light um, light solo game, it, it, it d- does an okay job. Um, so I'll give it a 7 out of 10, uh, fun-wise. Beers, it's one of those things, like, there aren't a ton of rules to it. Um, but if you miss some of those small rules, you can really help yourself in your favor. Um, so I'll give it around a five, I guess a four or five beers wise. Um, it's not a must own game. I, it's one of those that I'll pull out every once in a while. And I have, it's, it's one of those games that I'm like, man, I should play that game some more. And then I get it out and play it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's why I don't, I don't play it a lot. Cause it's, it's it's a nice diversion, but it's not one that you can really sink your teeth into and get a get a ton of plays out of. I think I've played it seven times, which for me is on the upper end, but it's not it's not one you have to kind of keep coming back and back to. Yeah, I found I found the iPad version to be very frustrating. You know, like I was constantly like it was I was amazed if I successfully completed a mission. Basically, it was like I did like a great job yeah. or I got lucky. It didn't ever feel like, oh, I picked right. It felt like I, I did the loadout for the mission and I got lucky on where the bandits were and that's how I won. It never really felt like it was my planning that did it. It was always just like I lucked out as far as where the anti-aircraft was positioned and where the, the bandits were. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the board game isn't quite that punishing, but but it's still, it can be, it can be, too much to where you know you lose five phantoms or five aircraft on the on the first run it's it's not really that that didn't happen like that it, de- it definitely yeah, wears get... its, its dice on its sleeve like i, I always had that feeling of you yes, know, does, like, like okay yeah, like you know it's it's yeah. pretty pretty yeah. dicey it's got like got a two in ten chance of succeeding in this mission and there you go that's that's kind of it mm-hmm. um, and i like i like my chaos hidden a little yeah. more <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's the problem. In a nutshell, was I didn't feel like it was my skill that was winning the missions. It's I had to get lucky to win the missions, you know. And even yeah. with planning, it's still I had to have luck on my side, or I wasn't going to win. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I don't I don't like that so much. What about you, Dave? Uh, what are you talking about today? Well, I got a, just a quick game. I'm going to review. Uh, my my mom had gone on a trip to England, and she brought back this like cardboard castle that we had to put together and it's kind of a cool castle and it had turns out it had little figures like blue side and red side and then rules for like kind of how they could like rudimentary rules for how the figures could fight each other and so my girls immediately put this castle together and then we're like now we're going to lay siege to the castle so we have to battle and i was like okay this looks promising like i i you have the coolest kids i like that my mom brought a castle and my kids are like building the ram and the girls are going to smash down the, the te- like they're arguing over where the archers should be on the battlements. And so I said, uh, okay, so I bought battle lore for my girls. I figured I'd get nice. battle lore the second edition. Oh, very nice. And see if they liked it. And so I just wanted to do a quick review. Uh, I know this is not necessarily what people would consider a grown up game necessarily, but it's based on the command and conquer, uh, command and colors, command and colors system. Commands and colors. Commands and colors. So it's it's basically you got the three sections of the board, and some of the cards will say left command, center command, or right command as far as who can move. So for a lot of us, we're familiar with this because there's an Ancients version, and there's a Napoleonics version, and there's Memoir 44 also. Civil War version. Yeah, so, so there's a whole bunch based on this. But this is the fantasy yep. version. 
So um, the components are great. You get a bunch of miniatures with it. It's not blocks. So there's a blue army that's kind of like a, you know, maybe Gondor type army versus a bunch of barbarians. And so the the blue the good guys have like archers and citadel guards and river watch riders and then like they have monsters like the rune golems and then they have a guy on an eagle and then uh, the uh, bad guys are the barbarians they have a big chaos lord who's their big bad guy and then they have like a monster it's called the obscene that might fit in with the podcast not sure whether that should be our mascot and but basically each side has some archers some uh, infantry guys some cavalry guys. And they each have different special abilities. Um, if you've played the, the commands and colors, this is going to be similar in that you have uh, armies, and then based on what zone you're in, uh, what cards you have controls, which guys can move. It might say you can move one from the left side, or it might say you can move three cavalry units. One of the cool things about uh, the fantasy version is it also adds uh, spell casting. So when you roll... Uh, die and you get the lore result, you gain a lore point. Any turn you get a certain number of lore points and you have spell cards that you can get each turn. And so um, cards, spell cards will cast a certain, cost a certain amount of lore to, to cast. And so it kind of gives you an extra aspect to the game rather than just, okay, I'm moving my left guys. Now I'm going to attack with my right guys. And now you've got spells that based on their power can be uh, a big deal in the game and also costs a lot or a little lore depending on what you cast. Uh, some of the other things I thought were cool was that in addition to the command cards, they've got scenario cards. So the scenario cards, you basically pull them out and it lays out what the terrain is going to be on your side of the table, where you guys can deploy and uh, what special rules are going to be, be uh, uh, in effect for the game. So basically both players pull a scenario card, so you never quite know what the scenario is going to look like until each guy reviews, reveals his scenario card. So that covers his half of the battlefield. So That's I thought cool. that was kind of a cool way to, to build the battle. Uh, another cool thing that they do is this might be in the other games, but I don't think it was in the Ancients one, is each unit in the game has a small little card that's kind of like a deployment card so you deploy them upside down on the battlefield and like maybe a, a third of them are bluff cards so your opponent doesn't see where your units are going to be until you reveal all your deployment cards and then so you can have all your guys on the right side or all your guys in the center you can kind of trick your opponent into like what where your guys are so that's, that was neat. that's cool yeah so um Basically, it's a very simple system. You play your cards. Uh, you don't have a card that you want to use for command. You can always order one specific unit. Um, once you give your orders with your order card, your command card, then you can move the units. The units that are activated move. Activate the card move. Uh, once those units move, those units that move, they can attack. Um, depending on the results you get for, with your dice, uh, you can get heroic results or make the guy retreat, or you can get hits on your opponent. And as they suffer hits, each unit loses figures. Each unit starts with three figures, and as they take hits, they lose until they're down to the none. Once they get down to one, they're considered weak. Uh, but each unit has special abilities, like the good guys' archers. If they don't move, they can actually make two uh, missile attacks, kind of like uh, 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 raining from above. They can, like, send just tons of arrows in or like the bad guy barbarian uh, infantry they have an ability where if they lose guys they actually become more powerful because they become enraged or, or like they're kind of like berserkers so each of the armies is very neat in the way they fight they have different abilities for themselves 
And uh, there are expansion armies. I think they've got an undead army and extra monsters you can buy for the game. But the game's great for kids. Uh, my oldest, my nine-year-old, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to move my obscene forward. She's like, because he's got a special ability. She's like, no, no, you can only move forward if it would move you adjacent to one of my people. So I'm like, Jesus, you really fucking love the rules. <laughs> you have played so well. Yeah. I'm like, we're, we're, we've been playing for like two hours. Um, so she, <laughs> she, she beat me. So of course that made her like the game. And, uh, that's it. I want to say it sells for about 50 bucks, 55 bucks, something like that. Components. That sounds about right. Components are great. Mounted map boards, uh, cards for all this stuff. Nice cards. The figures are really nice. Um, are you going to paint them? No, I'm not doing any of that. No. And my kids have, have learned yeah. to stop asking for that. So, so that's <laughs> it. So I shouldn't send you my yeah. miniatures to paint? No. Um, I will say that this game is probably about a, a billion beers. You could you could probably drink a yeah, tremendous quantity so. of beer and play this game. And uh, for fun, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would give it a seven. I mean, it's not like going to be really deep as far as strategy but there's terrain sure there's there's towns and uh hills and forests and rivers and so they all affect it i like how the deployments work how you never know which set's going to be which and while you can buy armies and muster you have like 50 points that you can muster armies they've also got like for each side like four pre-made armies on cards so you can be like i want an arrow an archer heavy army here's my 50 point army so they've kind of thought up all the like ways to make it easy for you so you don't have to go through an army list and figure it That's out. That's cool. Yeah, so there's like three or four variations. Have you played any of the other I have have you played any of the other I have Ancients. Games? I have the Ancients one. I would say this is You have it, but have you I have played it. Um I would say this is better and the reason why is the magic. The magic makes the game more okay. fun. Cool. Like um like there's just spells like you can block spells but like as the barbarians I have some very powerful spells like one of them is called dark pact where my guy gains like all these crazy abilities but it costs me like nine lore to cast uh, and I think because they they aren't bound by historical requirements uh, the units are more interesting yeah. you know like with, with like the Rohan riders they're really good uh, they're okay at fighting but when they also have other rider units that are adjacent to enemy they gain attack bonuses so it's like they kind of try to outflank the opponent so um they're they're free to kind of have more fun with the system i think because it's fantasy and it's based on the descent system so the descent world that's kind of what the figures are based on oh that's right yeah that's cool yeah so it's fantasy flight games so obviously everything's really nice uh i recommend it for kids i think it's great so for me it's going to be kind of like a gateway war game for my kids so we'll see so that's awesome. Well, I think I think you saying it that it's better than ancients just push it over the edge. Some my wish list now. It's yeah, dude. It's hard to under to overstate how much difference the magic makes because I got to say, there's times where I'm playing, even in this game, where like all your guys are on the left and center side, and all you have is right side cards. You're kind of like ugh, but having the magic really makes a big difference because you can do things outside that that system, you know, where you're restricted by the cards. Sure. And I think I could get my nine-year-old to play that over ancients. He wouldn't, he wouldn't sit down and play that, but even though there's elephants, but if there were, you know, orcs and shit, he would play it. Yeah, dude. And like, like the, the 
here, the main monster for the good guys is the guy on the rock, like on a giant eagle. And like, he's got like, he can basically ignore all the movement rules. Like he can just fly around. And because he's flying, it's like one less melee die when you try to attack him. Cause the idea is he's flying away. Like, ha you missed me. Like, ha you missed me again. And you're like, so it's just, <laughs> the, every, every unit is interesting. So. That's cool. Yeah. So Rod, do you have kids? Do, you, do your kids play games at all? I do. My uh, my son is uh, thirteen, and he actually is uh, now getting in. He plays a lot of miniatures with me, DBA um, and uh, Bolt Action and Homebrew, and he's starting to get into Hex Encounter. And my daughter is eight, so I'm I'm really interested in this as a gateway for her. Yeah, there you go. We got to recruit our own gaming fistfights. <laughs> get them when they're young. Yeah, it was tough though because my little one, she's a. Uh, She's a little young, so she played on my side, and I was the barbarians because my nine-year-old wanted to be the the good guys. And then we tried to to make it fun for her. We tried acting like barbarians, like we would like we'd like make faces at her while she's playing, or be like waffle, waffle, waffle. We're like yelling stuff at her, and uh, uh, then my oldest got she got mad at us and ran off and said we on her. My my so. uh, my, my daughter loves um, uh, ultimate one night werewolf. Like she and my son actually will play that anytime. That is so much fun. So I, I don't know what that is. How many people do you need to play? Oh, that? you need at least three. Um, and if you've got three, you're good to go. Yeah, and oh, it wow. plays in literally. You can play a game in five minutes. Like yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Mine are mine are really into the fantasy. Like on the iPad, my they're playing Battle Hearts Legend. Like they really like that game. It's like kind of a role playing. Like, well, my one was sick for the weekend, so she's been playing too much, probably. But I'm just trying to do what I can to keep it going. It's no such. Can thing. we talk about the white elephant on the guild quickly? I was just gonna say we have to give a shout out to the duck right. and the white elephant. So, so go ahead, um, Dave. I think the gifts are becoming really generous. Have you looked at the scale of the gifts on the thing? The, there's an arms race of gifting going on. Rod, are you going to participate in this uh, white elephant thing? I'm going to look it up right now. I uh, when I hear arms race, I'm interested. Uh, there are gifts that are approaching like 160, 170 dollar range. Like I think guys are starting to get out of control. Well, there's there's one that's the whole combat commander. I mean, that's yeah, that's, with shipping paid. You know, like six and guys are paying all the shipping. Bucks. Yeah, that's crazy. Or one who was giving Hercules yeah. Forest and Walk Dom Rhyme. I mean, that's like those are big games. That's like the it's crazy. So, yeah. so, um, so, it, the, so at the risk looking like the the ignorant immigrant. What, what's a white elephant? Don't don't feel bad because I didn't know what this was. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> so, so, so the idea is people would have these these Christmas parties, and you would just bring something from your house that you didn't want anymore and wrap it and give it as a, as a gift at, at this. Okay. Christmas but party. the idea is you can steal, so you can steal other people in a traditional white elephant. You give a gift, but when someone opens it, someone else can steal the gift and trade it for their gift. Okay. Isn't that the way it works? Right. So you can take someone's gift yeah. away from them, but we don't do it that but, way. But last year it was like this, this thing, it was one game and everyone kind of, listed one game and so if you offer one game and then you take one game that's that's not that big of a deal but now you know i i put up two 
fairly easy, well, one relatively easy to obtain and another rather difficult to obtain game. But then, you know, Braxton has up like Liberty Rose, Normandy 44, and Day of Days. Like, how does anyone compete with that? Someone puts up all of Combat Commander. That's cool. That's that's just crazy. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. So it got out of hand. My issue is I'm just too lazy to mail things, like put them in a package. But I... (laughs) <laughs> but I, but I have been I have been trying to get rid of my second co- give away my second copy of um, Fire in the Sky for ages, and I know people really want it, so maybe I'll toss that in. This is a good place okay. for it. I'll well, and, and yeah. this is the only yeah. problem we're seeing. Uh, there are occasionally people who will join the guild just to be part of the White Elephant thing. So it's understandable. It's a concern because, like, so if you listen to this. And you aren't on Board Game Geek, and you are not part of our guild. Do both of those things and join the White Elephant. Yeah, it's kind of douchey, like because what happens is, and then we can mock yeah, everybody's. You. Most of the guys are good friends who participate. Like we all know each other through the guild and communicated. And so to have people who are like, "Oh, I'm just going to join the guild now and do the White Elephant," I'm kind of like, "Yeah, it's kind of like you're showing up at someone's office, like." Hey, uh, I'm going to come the Christmas this company because I want to be part of your fucking Christmas party. <laughs> and I, I get the bonus, right? I get the Christmas bonus. Even and, I and I think if you're, you're going to compete, like you need to like make sure that the games you're giving are up to, it puts pressure on everyone else to make sure the games are going. Like, Jason, didn't you yep. put a $50 Amazon card on your gift? I did because that game you could buy for like so thirty Jason bucks. Felt and then, so guilty, you know, someone put a fifty dollar gift card on top of the game he was going to give away. Oh, wow! Yeah, I love this yeah. idea of showing up at the Christmas parties because I work in like it's the fashion district in San Francisco, like Maiden Lane. There's all these beautiful women who work in all these fashion designer houses. Like I want to show up at their Christmas parties. Like, and they're Apparently all their doors it's are okay. Open. Yes. No, awesome. Apparently it's okay. They'll be like, where, 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 what part of the office do you be like, I work in the facilities department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that would fit, right? I'm IT. Exactly. I'm IT. IT. There you go. How's, how's your computer working? How's your internet? <laughs> how's the email server? Yeah, so it's it's... A little controversial right now because people f- controversial, but I, I'm all about more participation because there's a there's a thumb voting in and voting out of things, um, right? So you, right. And, and the way Duck's running it with 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 the thumbs this year really makes sense. And he upped the ante now, and now you have to have five thumbs to join, right? Because the idea um, brought is if your gift is, even, a, is a bag of dog shit, um, like if you like. You're yeah, I've got it. this this print to play game that I'm going to give, so I can try to. And you get you get chits basically, and you get a number of chits based on how many how popular your game was that you offered. So you're more likely to get a first pick if you have a really good game that you offered up. Uh, how complicated does this thing get? Yep. I'm it's very complicated. Chit, I'm getting chit, chits <laughs> the, now. The duck the duck goes all in. Yeah, it's a game within a game uh-huh. within a game. <laughs> So yeah, it is. You yeah. should check it out. You should put Fire in the Sky up there because I'll, I'll, I'll. I think I'll, Fire in the I'll, Sky is a legitimate gift. That's a, it, it's a good. Oh, thing. for People sure. Want that's, it. that's I. That's what, that's what, my like, what, what does it retail for on eBay? Uh, that's a good stuff. 
Oh, I looked at it like two years ago, and it was going for like a hundred, hundred and fifty. Yes, yeah, that's good. You'll be well within. The it's range. been out of print for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I literally bought two. Like I'd ordered it from MMP, and then I was at the game store, and I couldn't wait, so I got it for like thirty bucks back in the day, and I've been trying to get rid of it. So yeah, nice. I, I was, was going to up the ante. I'm that's Napoleon and Leaps. The the fifth edition one. I was going to include the one from the 1980s with the original Rick Barber map, and I was going to include an autographed poster of General Westmoreland, but I wasn't sure if that. Would Whoa! Be <laughs> I think that's a great can I, idea. Can I have the Westie poster? I want that. That's awesome. <laughs> I was going to. You could just I, sell those. I was going to do just a General Westmoreland name, mask on a popsicle stick. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that's, that's it. Awesome. White elephant. Um, are we going to do ASL minute because we haven't done it in like two or three episodes? If you want to. What do you think, Rod? Should we do ASL? ASL, minute? ASL, ASL minute. Go, go for it. I, although, as I say, I play it non-canon, so there you go. And I'm not cutting Jesse's lovely dulcet tunes in. Oh, you're not going to do the, the the song? I thought that was the best part of it. <sighs> Okay. Jason, let's be honest. It might be the, it might be the only good part. Of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go go for it. ASL brought to you by Lucas Stonewall Brooks. So today I'm here to talk to you about ASL, and the most amazing thing about ASL is how mortars work. It's nine. Section C9 is mortars. They're amazing. Okay, so I'm not going to do the accent the entire time. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, maybe the intro, because I don't think I can talk like Hugh Hauser for the entire time. So I'm just going to talk about mortars real quick. So uh, in ASL, you got mortars. They're direct fire weapons. Um, but the interesting thing about them is they're one of the few large uh, weapons that can also be carried around as support weapons if they're light. So like light mortars are treated like support weapons and they can be carried by infantry. So that's kind of cool. Um, mortars can fire directly. In the ASL, they can also fire indirectly if you have a spotter. So a spotter is a good order personnel unit that's in the same or adjacent hex to the mortar. And uh, the only downside about using spotters is that it makes it harder to hit. Spotted fire is going to be a plus two hit DRM and a reduction of the mortar's multiple rate of fire by one. So uh, one of the cool things about mortars is a lot of them have a rate of fire of like three. So when you're rolling the two dice, as long as the colored dice is three or less, they keep, they keep on firing and firing and firing. So obviously if you're using a spotter, that gets reduced to two, so you're less likely to, to retain rate of fire. Two twos, and uh, that means their fire is doubled. Their HE fire is doubled. Mortars can fire smoke if they're large enough, so that's always pretty effective. Uh, the other cool thing about mortars that I always forget to do, and this is something um, you should remember, is mortars can fire uh, in defensive first fire. They can fire at units that are moving and get those advantages, minus one for, uh, for first fire moving in the open and first fire non-assault movement. Minus one and minus one, so that can make mortars really effective. But uh, when I play, I constantly forget to do that, so I usually just sit around and fire my mortars in the, in the defensive fire phase or in, in prep fire phase. And that concludes us talking about mortars. They're, that's incredible. They're amazing. There you go. Excellent. That's all. <laughs> Nicely done. I can't, hey, I can't uh, do it the whole time. It's just there's get, no way get, you can talk about it. No. 
Please, please don't. Dave, do you own um, Festung Budapest? No. Oh, good. I bought it because I panicked that it was going to sell out. Yeah, it it is. It's almost going because I I noticed that the last copy at my local game store just went, and uh, that's usually a good sign. Because Valor of the Gods went, and then it disappeared. Oh, I think think Festung is sold out. I think Festung Budapest is sold out. It is brilliant so whenever you get a chance and remember kids you don't have to play asl modules using the full that's ASL what it brought rules, you know i'd forgotten you you're the big to. retro you're the big retro no, player it, it, well not just retro but generally homebrew i'm, I'm just saying you, you can you can enjoy that good asl goodness With you, your know, own I, rules, I, you can. I have i have retro and i i did read through because you recommended it and you i have to it. say okay. um yeah it's it's, it's it kind of it's like it's like getting an avocado where they already scraped out all the soft bits and you're left with the the, the hard green part of the avocado to eat. You just get the the shell and the seed. Yeah, so you're like it tastes a little bit like avocado. I I, I it, it's it's a totally different game. But you're like me, I think I'm it's... getting a little I'm getting a little bit of avocado flavor. I get the essence of oh, avocado. It's so, it's it's. You can enjoy it. You, you can enjoy but the tanks. ASL the tanks too. are totally. The tanks are totally boiled down. Oh, they are. But I think that's a positive because there's. I actually like. I tend to use the ASO infantry rules as written because I right. think they're good. But the vehicle right. rules, I just think they're a fucking mess. You know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you play. Like I've had some real fun uh, with. And man, he's got a stug that's stuck in a bunch of buildings and is trying desperately to reverse. Meanwhile, my Shermans are, are racing around them, like pumping, popping off smoke and turning turrets. And so I think they actually can do once you get the hang of it and the rules become second nature. And once you learn that if you're taking a shot while moving in ASL with the tank, you might as well just roll the dice. And if you don't roll like a five or less, there's no point in even really going through all the modifiers. It really speeds up. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's always cool. been my yeah. feeling. Yeah. Roll yeah. the dice, and if you don't roll well, then we don't need to go through all the modifiers for the shot. So, save yeah, that's some a time. approach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of, of tactical, were you talking about the um, the new, the guy who made lock and load? He's coming up with the new Vietnam tactical, right? He is. Yeah, I'm going to be in for that. I think it's just called Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I don't know. The last couple lock and load things were a little questionable, but he'll he'll fold me again. No, but it's all different. It's this good. isn't a lock and load product. It's going to be totally different. It, 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 it does look quite a bit different in the way it plays, uh, which is why I'm giving it a chance. Because I I don't know, with, with the way the cards work, it looks kind of like a blend between the lock and load system and the combat commander system, and that that seems like a great idea to me. I'm looking forward to the deli- delicious card play. That's going to be good. It's going to be delicious. Oh yeah, it's going to be scrumptious. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's some fan fiction in there, and uh, it will be mocked. Oh god, but, the f- but hopefully the gameplay is good too. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to get it soon as Stalin's triumph ships, um, as I mentioned in the in the guild. But I'm holding both Mark and mm. Lock and Load accountable for that thing, which is now a year and a half late. So, as soon as they ship it, I'll give them more money. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's uh, it's fair. Yep. 
All right, boys. Well, yeah, I'm excited for that, it. That's all I got, unless you guys have anything. We're at the 220 mark, so. I'm good. No, that was great. Thank you. So, Rod, you would you would recommend that people who are normal people should come to conventions that they know uh, uh, Advanced After Combat Guild members are going to be at? They should, although I have to tell you, it was quite the conversation with my family before I went. Like, I'm telling my family, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to this convention. And my son's like, where is it again? I'm like, it's, it's Hanford. It's like in the middle of the desert. And he's... And, and my wife was like, and have you met these people before? I'm like, well, I, I've seen them online. They're like, so so you've never met that's, these people that's a, before? Good. And you're meeting them in the middle of the desert. Like, where where are you staying? Like, oh, it's, I, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the hotel. And by the way, when I called the hotel, they're like, oh, the GMT rate, you can afford the exact suite for 85 bucks a night. And I'm like, okay, I'm, oh, wow. I'm in. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, my, my wife's like, the executive suite is 85 bucks a night. Like, you, um, so yeah, you aren't quite taking any risks. Yeah, it's handy. You aren't taking yeah. any risks that people on eHarmony don't take every day. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it turns out people in the guild are not going to kill you. Uh, and, you know, it was a good time. I had a great time. It's, it's good to hear. Well, there you cool. go. All right, boys, that's all I got. Thank you. All right, Rod. Thanks, thanks, man. Bye, guys. Visit us at http colon slash slash boardgamegeek.com slash build slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.